With your prep work now complete, it's time to begin the installation process. First, remove all props such as Choo Choo's tree, Billy Bob's lamp, Billy Bob's campfire, Looney Bird's can, all rocks and flowers, and destroy all of these props as they will not be used again. Hey, it's totally to the party. He's Bill. I'm Daniel. I'm a fellow podcaster. Who's a very piece of media we missed the first time around? I missed this whole business the first time around because I don't think they were in the Pacific Northwest. You're just waving up. broadly to this whole subject matter and everybody involved with it, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, kudos for uh, resisting the urge to start this episode with, Hey, golly, we're here to talk to you about showbiz I- pizza. I didn't even consider it. If I had done any kind of voice, it would have been one of these raw southern motherfuckers <laughs> in this movie. I mean, this documentary. This documentary is nothing if not filled with lots of strange voices, both uh, silly and stupid, and also, <laughs> I do like that Billy Ball. He drinks the mm-hmm. gas hole. It makes me laugh. Uh, <laughs> which, hey, I was born in Texas, so I, 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 get, a, I get a free pass to making fun um, of southerners. Um, but I so this is the Rock of Fire explosion. It's a documentary yeah. about the band Rock of Fire explosion, which was a showbiz pizza. I don't like to make fun of passionate people, but I'll be damned if these passionate people are trying their damnedest <laughs> to, to get made fun of. I had to go back Whoa. and edit my own notes. Not that anyone else would even see my notes, but even while typing, while watching this yesterday, making notes, I was like, "That's too cruel." I have to. Like, <laughs> Because <laughs> as a You're fat guy wrong. from Texas who is surrounded by plastic from his childhood, I cannot mm-hmm. throw too many stones at the people in this documentary. Uh, well, one of the fascinating things, so yeah, we're talking about the Rockfire uh, Explosion documentary from, I guess it was almost exactly 10 years ago, 2008-2009. Um, and I had heard people talk about how goony all the southern rednecks who collect Rockfire Explosion and stuff in this documentary are. And that is true, but it's kind of funny because, like, the documentary is mostly just a split between uh, the superfan Chris Thrash, who's kind of like, I hate this. Okay, I want to <laughs> describe the guy. It's hard not to say because I don't want to kick the guy while he's down. Well, but, I have I have a legitimate question about yeah. him that I'm generally con- genuinely concerned Okay, I'm curious about. to see if you're um, going to have the same question because I've watched this documentary with other people. They had the same question. Go ahead. Does he have teeth? Oh, does he have teeth? Oh, yeah. see, other people asked me if he had dwarfism. Oh, I was I was more wondering fetal alcohol syndrome. But... <laughs> Chris Thrash, if you're looking about this documentary, I'm not trying to be mean. No, I, well, just because the way he talks, because of all about Dewey drinks. That just his body shape and <laughs> everything. <laughs> just, again, just broadly gesturing at the whole package. Uh, the fact he's so southern. So southern. That's, man. So, yeah, I didn't realize Showbiz Pizza had such a very specific fan base in the South uh, to the point that even yesterday on Twitter while rewatching this thing, uh, I, I went to Twitter to say, hey, is like, because I guess it was fa- the Showbiz Pizza place was a knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese that was founded in the South. But then I was like, mm-hmm. is it mostly, was it mostly in the South? Because in Pittsburgh, I don't remember, we had a bunch of Chuck E. Cheese's, but we didn't have Showbiz Pizza Place. And I always heard about Showbiz Pizza Place from other people. And so I was yeah. asking people if, like, if most of the people who had a Showbiz Pizza were in the South. And I guess, no, there, there were Showbiz Pizzas in, like, Iowa and Chicago and L.A. and stuff like that. But, man. Yeah, I have no I 
it's also I, possible I, maybe this documentary crew they were just from the south too so yeah. they didn't feel like driving more than an hour an hour away from their home base so they just talked to everyone in the yeah, backwoods like, of like mississippi alabama and florida at least those two yeah well and that's the other thing because I, I i've heard other people make fun of the the, the rock of fire explosion fans who are in this documentary but the creepiest thing is is that the other half of the documentary, the kind of the first half, or one half of the doc- documentary is mostly about the main guy, the main fan, Chris Thrash. The other half of the documentary mm-hmm. is about the guy who invented the rock fire explosion, who I have not heard as many people talk shit about or make fun about, but it's, it's, that dude is as if, in my eyes, as much of a fucking train wreck as any of his fans. Cause this, he he kind of reminds me if um, Neil Breen had a personality. Yeah, he's this aging, oven-roasted... <laughs> gay guy who is deathly afraid of coming to the realization that he may be gay. Um, mm. Who is fucking on one of his too. fans. Is, that guy is, is just as much of a mess as anyone else in this thing. So that, 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 that's kind of the thing when I first saw this that I was like, oh, okay, this is actually a little more interesting than what I've heard about from other people. Because I just watched this for the first time a couple weeks ago uh, just mm. on a whim. It was like Saturday night. There was nothing else to watch. And uh, uh, this is just one of the things on my list I had kind of vaguely thought about watching for the podcast sometime. And yeah, yeah there was just happened to be a copy on uh, YouTube. And I think it was on Netflix for a while, but I think it just got pulled. I know it was on iTunes, and it got pulled from there around, right around the same time. So I don't know if some kind of rights expired around this documentary that all the official versions have just been yanked or something like that. But yeah, the only mm-hmm. way to watch it right now is we're recording in... in early June of 2019 is just like there's one version on YouTube right now that we both watched and uh, yeah, but yeah that that's yeah I thank you so much for agreeing to talk about this too because especially as someone who has no experience like you, you like it's it's not even like you were grew up with Chuck E. Cheese kid you just never grew up with any of this shit right I didn't attend any yeah that's what I'm saying I yeah did but like I never went into the section of any restaurants that had Jerky seizure induced seizure having robots flopping around. It is such a weird thing because, like, 20 years from now, no one's gonna believe any of this stuff actually existed. Because it's such. It's. The idea of having a pizza place for kids with robot animals that talk and screech at them is such a very uniquely weird idea. It's, it's, it's weird to think, like, there were, for a decade, there were two competing companies, like, doing that same thing, filling that same niche, which I guess explains why. After a couple of years, they won't both wound up kind of like folding into each other because how much there's not really enough room in that niche market to, to justify the existence of two entirely different companies. But yeah, and especially yeah, uh, uh, like I said, we're talking about this in 2019. I think it was last year they officially announced they were getting all the rid of all the robotics in the Chuck E. Cheese restaurants, which is like the last mm. bastion of the existence of any like the, this kind of robot stuff in any of the. Ro- uh, 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 the restaurants, because I guess the yeah, the, the, this I'm not even starting on the documentary, but the documentary, I can't I can't remember the documentary actually says this in the documentary itself, or I just read about this separately. So, uh, Ch- Chuck E. Cheese was founded by Nolan Bushnell, who was the guy who had originally also founded Atari, and after mm-hmm. he founded Atari, he left uh, he sold Atari to I think it was Warner Brothers, and he took the money from the sale of Atari. And he just poured it all into Chuck E. Cheese because he was like, oh, man, I think of the wave of the future is like you kind of like take Disneyland quality animatronics, but you bring it to the people and we'll also yeah. sell pizza and have arcade games because he was still into video games. So this is another way to like keep, keep uh, pushing video games with people. And it was a, a successful enough that I think there was an investor from the Deep South 
who was going to invest in the Chuck E. Cheese franchise just as it was expanding in like 1979-1980. And one, the moment he got a look at Chuck E. Cheese financials, he was like, shit, man, instead of investing in this Nolan Bushnell's Chuck E. Cheese bullshit, I'm just going to do this myself. And so he invented Chobis Pizza Place as a knockoff of Chuck E. Cheese. And I guess, yeah, first, like, the first locations, I guess, were in the Deep South, which kind of, kind of explains the whole tenor of this documentary. And, yeah, and so it's not Chuck E. Cheese. So this is kind of the funny thing, because, yeah, you really wouldn't know much of the Chuck E. Cheese characters, but, yeah, the rock fire explosion, instead of a, instead of a rat, it's a, gi- a giant gorilla <laughs> and a bunch of yeah. wolves and dogs, but they all have kind of the same face, and they're all kind of horrifying and clanky and... And I had a point about all this that I just totally forgot about it, but I guess we could just start talking about the documentary itself. But yeah, it just does start off. Uh, well, it starts well, talking to the inventor guy, right? Yeah, and he was saying he didn't know. Um, basically, they he didn't know what he was going to invent next. Something to save the world, or maybe solve the energy crisis. Maybe, but there's these three fans of this robot band, so I guess that's what he'll be into for a while. Oh God, what's oh, this? Is, this is... Uh, yeah, um... And I, to, I wrote down all their names and a quick description of them so I'd know who was who. Uh, and yeah, the I... first one is Chris Thrash, Balding Baby Man. <laughs> See, that's my description. Okay, yeah, my description is, yeah, the, there's Oven Roasted Inventor Guy, Balding Dwarf mm-hmm. Fan, uh, Tall Fan with the O Brother Where Art Thou haircut and who looks like a human goof troop character. And what, the next... Yeah. Per, the next... Yeah. I was going to say character we see, which I guess is correct, but uh, <laughs> yeah. is an actual person. Is somebody named Mike Scherpenberg? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and ex- is I have another legitimate question that's going to sound really mean. Yeah. Uh, is that a wig, or did he mean for his hair to You're, look Are like you that? talking about, let me see, let me check my notes, lumpy long-haired metal fan? Yeah, yeah the, the one that's that's got a shirt that says like I went to the dark side. Or yeah, uh, I was, which I'm assuming he was so uninteresting that literally he's got like two clips of the whole film and that's it. Well, he he does say if you didn't grow up with it, you don't understand. Which but this it was is a like, perfect. Yeah, we're it, gonna find out today. Yeah. But it was like meeting a real celebrity, like the way people <laughs> might meet the Rolling Stones. Is that what he said? I'm gonna say no. <laughs> <laughs> There is! And this, well, this kind of brings me to the next character. Hot lady fan, mm. who obviously does not belong here. One of, yeah, the one of these things is not like the other hot, well, hot blonde lady fan. Later in the documentary, she talks about how she got into the Rock of Fire explosion because of their music. And I'm mm. like, I can understand these other guys getting into the band because they says, were she says, kids. Yeah. She sounds like somebody who's fighting an accent really hard, and she says, yeah. um, a lot. Um. Yeah. Um. And she's, and she's trolling, got the Farrah Fawcett hair? Yeah, she's trying to present herself as being more, maybe more sophisticated than, yeah, for, like, instead of trying to get a modern haircut, like, like I guess her hairdresser found a magazine from, like, 1978. And so, yeah, it's... I watched it, I watched this twice, once when I was, like, putting together a shelf, <laughs> and once actually watching it yeah. for, um, uh, note-taking, and Jesus. that's, I, I had no idea that this Farrah Fawcett ended up lady was the same one later of the film that yeah. Aaron, the creator, was was tickling with to saying it's a spider. I think I think the documentary kind of tries to treat that like a twist. Because a little bit later she's talking about how she was such a fan when she was a little kid or something like that. And mm-hmm. then suddenly you see her, she's next to him, and they're all being all cuddly, cuddly lovey and stuff like that. And it is, she's so generically blonde 
It's if, it, because she hasn't been on the TV for more than five minutes. Well, then again, I'll, I also just have a terrible memory. But yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unless you're well, you also have again. face blindness. Yeah, but also it is like on first blush. Just, although she is the only human female. Well, I guess there's two human females in this documentary, but she, I guess there's not a lot of women in this documentary. So. Adult ones, because there's the little girl neighbors. Oh, uh, little girl neighbors. No, there's Chris Thrasher's wife. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, um, I was saying two, two, and then the little girl neighbors. God. This documentary. This is a weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a weird. Hey, if you like the flavor of this one, you should totally watch. Uh, oh, what's the LARPing one? Uh, oh yeah. Monster Camp. Okay, mm-hmm. I've heard people talk about. It. I haven't actually because I was even look, looking on iTunes and YouTube. I couldn't find. Like I've never I've never accidentally run across this. Whereas at least the Rock of Fire explosion thing, I've run across a couple times and I had to save for a rainy day like today. But yeah. Yeah. Oh man, is that better or worse than this in terms of the people? Uh. <sighs> It's it's um, similar, just kind of like a bunch of. It's just kind of no. It's people taking LARPing very very seriously, and then but the movie doesn't really it it doesn't paint them as a joke. There's two different LARPing documentaries. One which (laughs) really paints it as something very serious and like tries to make it be like, no, look how cool this is. Okay, like maybe it's made by the people who like are in or like yeah. And Monster Camp, which is just kind of hey, this. Oh, just even the the title alone, you know. Here it is. Yeah, it's kind of being like, look at these fuckheads over here. Yeah. Not not so much that. Just kind of presenting it as is, and the people who are in it are 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 more are are. The weird ones. Yeah. Well, and again, like, it's really easy to make, like I said, it's really easy to make fun of all the people in this documentary. And I hate, like, I, I don't play, and, and like, it's, it's, there's a lot of documentaries like this that seem to exist just to sort of punch down at people. No, actually, I don't think this documentary really punches down at uh, subject matters too much. No, I don't it's think it does either. It's just unfortunate that the subject matters are such cartoons of themselves. It's hard yeah. to make any documentary about these people and not have them just come across as the weirdest, gooniest people on the planet. Just because they are mm-hmm. kind of some of the weirdest, gooniest people on the planet, but yeah, um, yeah, but but yeah, so, <laughs> the reason I brought up well, hot blonde lady is because yeah, mm. later on uh, the, the, we could just talk about what we get there. But she talks about yeah, she got into the rock fire explosion not because she was like a Chuck E. Cheese employee. And one of yeah. her co-workers presented her with the tape of the rocket fire explosion, and she got into them because of the music? Which at least mm-hmm. the other guys, they grew up with the rocket fire explosion, so they're just naturally damaged. What <laughs> excuse do you have? What a terrible taste do you have to yeah. have to go, oh, just hear a rocket fire explosion tape and go, I like that music so much that I'm just gonna, like, I'm gonna become a fan of this over any other kind of music you listen to in the world. Oh my mm-hmm. god. Anyway, but yeah. But anyway, uh, Chris oh, Thrash says at one point that Showbiz Pizza was like a miniature Disneyland. Yeah. And I'm going to guess this fool's never been to an actual Disney park. Yeah, that's a good point. Because having a helicopter, the one kid can sit on that raises up and down, and that's the extent of the ride, is not I Disney. mean, I think that's part of the thing, especially being in the Deep South. You don't have, like, you probably, like, I guess you can go to Disney World. But again, it is, if you're poor in the Deep South, you don't have a lot of frame of reference for this kind no. of stuff. So you would just think that, like, a fucking, like, going to fucking Safeway and having one of those rides in the front where you just pop a quarter and you just, like, jostle back and forth on a fucking plastic horse would be, like, Disneyland. And so, yeah, just the, such a low bar that, I mean, those places were pretty cool. I mean, it, mm. like, because, like, like, my experience with this stuff was, uh, I was, uh, like, I mentioned before, I was born in Texas. My family moved from Texas to Pittsburgh when I was six years old. 
and uh, to kind of apologize to me and my sister for upending our lives uh, then, and because we were just moving into this new house, the first uh, house my parents had ever bought, my parents uh, took me and my sister to uh, this first Chuck E. Cheese that had opened in, in, in Pittsburgh. Uh, not super often, but often enough that it was kind of like a treat. Like, I can understand what, what he's saying. It's kind of like going to Disneyland if you don't have access to Disneyland. Because they did have, you know, the rides and parks and stuff like that. Yeah. And, but it is kind of... <laughs> when you let that kind of define your life is when it gets a little bit ridiculous. And... Yeah, I would imagine, man, I would love to see any of these people just given, like, a free, like, weekend vacation to, like, Disneyland or Disney World, and yeah, if they're impressed by the fucking Rockfire explosion in, like, 19-fucking-82, holy shit, they're about to be blown by actual Disney parks, but, yeah. Anyway. Yeah, so, um, Showbiz Pizza, founded in 1980, so we Oh, yeah, this is where age. they actually do, they do a very brief history of just, like, yeah, that, mm-hmm. essentially the timeline of uh, Showbiz Pizza. In 1990, it gets replaced with Chuck E. Cheese. Yeah. I'd say that's kind of a lateral move. <laughs> so I guess what happened, then, they explain a little bit this later, is I guess uh, both Chuck E. Cheese and Showbiz were doing really badly, but I guess uh, Showbiz Pizza was doing just a little bit better than Chuck E. Cheese, enough that they, they bought Chuck E. Cheese and both companies got absorbed. But mm. later on towards the end of the movie, they explain why if Showbiz Pizza was doing better, why didn't they turn all the Chuck E. Cheese's into Showbiz Pizza's? Instead, they turn all the showbiz pieces into Chuck E. Cheese. That gets explained a little bit by the inventor towards the end of this documentary. But yeah, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, you're fine. In 2008, uh, the Rock of Fire explosions brought back to life in homes across the world with the help of its inventor and biggest fan. This is their story. And uh, it's a little bit of an interview with um, Chris Thrash, yeah. who says that his mom used to dump his ass there <laughs> and use it as a babysitter as he, she went to movies. Again, just that to explains get a lot about how people get warped by this shit. Yeah, that's good parenting. Yeah, uh, Mike loved the place as much as his mom hi- hated it. And uh, Damien Breland, a dude who owns too much of this shit. And Damon, did you put on an employee T-shirt? Just for this, and it, like a Chuck E. Cheese employee T-shirt. No, it was a. It's a. It's a. Um, oh, it's a show. Whatever the. F- oh no, Showbiz. Showbiz Pizza. Pizza. Oh, I yeah. never even noticed that. Yeah, yeah. Yep. Uh, this guy. Yeah, this is. This is the old brother without thou goof troop guy because he's got this mm-hmm. haircut. He's got a bowl haircut, and yeah, yeah, he's actually sitting. He's he's like sitting at an actual Showbiz Pizza like booth too. Um, I mm-hmm. think this is the guy. I think this is the dude who we actually see more of his place a little bit. Unlike Chris Thrash, who just has the Rock of Fire explosion in, like, a shed in his backyard, this guy, I think, with someone else, he's actually got, like, the tables and everything, too. So it's actually yeah. more of, like, an actual show of his pizza place. I think they're just interviewing him in the corner of that. So I guess he's got more of the actual merch. It's not just the band, but, yeah, he's actually tried to rebuild, like, a lot of the experience around it, yeah. Yeah, he, he Showbiz Pizza had something where uh, you get tokens for getting A's on your report card, so he made sure yeah. to get A's, and uh, he really put those A's to use by um, living and getting dying tattooed in Mississippi. <laughs> by getting tattoos of the characters, oh, Rock of Fire Explosion. The super blotchy tattoos, <laughs> and like he takes yeah. his shirt off and he looks like a goddamn Venture Brothers character when he does it. He's all gormless and just like, brr. And, like, he has a, a Billy Bob the bear tattoo on his shoulder, and it's all blo- It looks like a jailhouse tattoo. But the best yeah. thing, he's got a, he's got a tattoo of, of Dopey from, uh... Was it Dopey? Who's the silent one from the Snow White and the Seven Dwarfs? 
Sleepy. That's dopey. That is dopey. He's got also one of dopey that's just done done just as badly. And it's just like you're already setting the tenor for the rest of this this documentary right here with like these fans being so goony. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, well, there's also uh, Travis Schaefer, who's just a kind of normalish looking dude webmaster. Oh yeah, he's just just a dude. Yeah. But he says some shit that is out there later. Uh, <laughs> okay. There's a news report from back in the day talking about the Rockfire explosion. And, uh, yeah, this is Mike. kind of a slice of the heyday of the Rockfire explosion, yeah, from like 1982 or whatever. And Mike talks about how the gorilla, whatever the fuck that thing's name is, is his favorite because it had the most life in it because it could bob its head from side to side and blink. Which is the, kind of the minimum of what you need for an animatronic to work. Uh, <laughs> and also, it's, this is intercut with both, like, it's there's a news, newscast from, like, 1982 explaining what the rock fire explosion is to a whole bunch, like, some kind of, you know, news TV audience. And it's also yeah. intercut with what seems to be uh, footage of, I don't know if it's, like, promo footage for the rock fire explosion or what, but it's actually people in rock fire explosion suits. Just getting Probably up like in the trade whole, show footage. Trade, that's I, actually I think that's what most of the stuff in this thing is because it's it's done badly enough. It doesn't seem like it was done for the benefit of kids. It seems like it's trying to convince other people to buy into like a rock of fire explosion or a it's showbiz a, pizza place yeah, franchise or something. Yeah. This part is like these people, uh, these people, <laughs> these people. With this contempt um, in your voice, these <laughs> these so and so humans. <laughs> yeah. Um, talking about like each character and and what their thing was. And, oh and God! One of them says just... that the coolest thing about Beach Bear was that he had a spotlight on his guitar. And again, cool. it's the lowest bar possible. These people say it's like Disneyland. He had a spotlight on his guitar, so There's... when he played that guitar, it done shined in the light. And that's like Duke, Duke Larue, oh, and that's the, the space dog. Drug... Space dog drummer. If if it's any sure. consolation, Duke Larue looks like what you just sounded like. Dude, <laughs> he's got this round yeah. head. This is the thing. This is kind of the terrible epicenter of this whole documentary. Is because you know, of course, this is all about the inventors and the fans for this thing. And then as they're going through the individual characters in the band, you just realize how just shitty. Just even aside from the animatronics and everything like that, just how shitty the characters are. And like mm-hmm. these characters, yeah, you got these uh, these adult fans just talking about how like how intriguing and fascinating these fucking cut rate even worse than a Saturday morning cartoon characters are. Because like we like we like Bill. <laughs> it's just. It, it, but how can you say that when the loony bird over here drinks gasohol and gets drunk? Exactly, that's the whole thing. I like what we also Beach Bear. So he talks like an English major. He talks all proper. He says the mm-hmm. big words. <laughs> well, and also, it's a weird thing because they have these guys describing everyone else, but then Billy Bob, like, gets his own voiceover that describes, it's like him saying it, and he says, I'm a sweet guy, I'm straight, but I'm sweet. What the fuck does that mean? Literally the first thing out of the guy's mouth! <laughs> so, well, this is this is the terrible secret of the Rockfire Explosion, is that the inventor seemed to have done most of the... Most of the voices in the music for the Rock of Fire, which explains why it's such a terrible fucking band, because this guy has, <laughs> outside of building robots, this guy doesn't have not have a lot of talent. And I guess he is the voice of Billy Bob, so I guess for the document, since he's, you know, they're interviewing, he's one of the major talking heads in the documentary, I guess they had him, rather than just ask him about Billy Bob, they just had him present himself as Billy Bob. And yeah, the first thing he says, I'm sweet, but I'm straight. <laughs> well, so this is the other thing. Uh, Methinks the lady doth protest too much. Did you see? So I guess part of the thing that also that, like, 
So I guess Chris Thrash, I guess I'm jumping ahead here a little bit, but... That's fine. I talk about it. It's a documentary. Chris Thrash came to prominence within the Rock of Fire Explosion community because in 2008, um, he became famous because he started uploading videos to YouTube of the Rock of Fire, his Rock of Fire Explosion band that he bought and put together, uh, singing modern songs for the first time, rather than just like the fucking shitty ass songs that the inventor wrote. Uh, like yeah. they're singing rap songs and stuff like that. And so they don't get into this in the documentary uh, about how what the inventor's response to that was, that he got really upset at both Chris Thrash and other fans who had Rock of Fire Explosion bands because they started doing the same thing. And I guess he's mm. super like conservative or whatever the fuck and he was like i think it's very not cool that you're like taking this band and making it something r-rated and so he started coming up with his own new songs for the bands to kind of counteract all these like people trying to make the band sing rap songs and stuff like that and one of the first new songs he released for the rocket fire explosion was called i'm not gay and it's not <laughs> a joke that's just it's billy bob talking about i gay but i never kissed a girl and it's the whole thing and that i remember wow. that became a little bit of an internet sensation when that happened like i guess a year or two after this documentary came out and i tried to look well, up and see if this guy has ever figured out if he's gay or what the hell's going on but i couldn't find anything online I just... let's take a moment and listen to that song right now <clears throat> test one two hey is this mic on yeah yeah you're on Billy bob okay good well, howdy, folks, I'm Billy Bob, and I get asked one question more than any other, and I decided to answer that question in a song. Hit it. Whoa, yeah, now, I ain't gay, but I never kissed a girl. If I find the right one, I hope to give it a whirl. Wow, that was a really <laughs> shitty song. Actually, I'm gonna have to actually. I want to edit that in this. We have to. Okay, right. That's 27 minutes. Yeah, okay. no, I know. That's why but, I did that. And well, that's like when I yeah, fucking. That's the thing. This documentary isn't great, but the personalities within it are just fascinating enough. That's why mm -hmm. I could not like. After having watched this on a whim, I was like, I gotta talk about this now, because if I don't talk about this now, I'm gonna forget about it later, but it's worth... Yeah. Like, I'm wrapped up in the per weird personalities and so, this thing enough that I need to get this off my chest, so... Oof, yeah, and then they, they, they talk to the girl again, and her name is Carrie, not willing to give her last name, Carrie. <laughs> I can't imagine why, Jesus Christ. And, and I described her as the hottest girl in high school who never did anything aside from keep her fair off faucet hair looking tight yeah, and seriously. try real hard to get rid of her accent and sound strange now. That's the terrible thing, is like so um, many people in this documentary are like, you could, you, you've seen these people in real life and so they're like living cartoon characters of like yeah, people you've met and just, yeah, you can totally get that beat on that lady. Or she's not evil or she's not bad or anything like that, no, but no, just no. Just the lack of ambition She's on She's a certain part. archetype. Exactly, yeah. And uh, where do you go? Here's Rolf the Wolf. He's arrogant, I guess. It is funny. He's got a puppet. <laughs> he's like you yelling. Can't be, he's... You cannot be uh, have a puppet on your hand and be arrogant. That is impossible. <laughs> That's kind of the weird thing. Just from like, like uh, creating the band of their personalities makes no sense. Because he's supposed to be cooler than the rest of the band. Is, and is always yelling at the leader fats. And trying to mm -hmm. manage the band, but yeah, he's also got a hand puppet on his hand the whole time that like takes over his personality or something like that. I'm like, what the hell does that have to do with anything? Like, it's just and the hey, here's fucking shit. 
Here's Mitzi Mozzarella. No thanks. The random girl what the in the f- band. What is she? Why does she have mouse ears but is giant like a bear? Yeah. And it's weird, too, because yeah. I think Chuck E. Cheese has a girl, like a rat girl, that looks almost exactly the same. And she kind of looks like Chuck E. Cheese uh. in drag. Um, I don't I don't know which I hate more, the robots or the people in the suits of the robots running around. Because it's obviously the, it, the suits are just like the skins of the robots that people are wearing. And so and like in the terrible like trade show video footage that they pulled for the documentary, there's all these terrible digital effects. Like instead of building sets for the characters to run around in, like there's this whole thing where they're like doing a Mr. Rogers neighborhood takeoff, but they're all like in CGI. 1982 little like computer generated sets there's a part where uh the space uh fucking drummer he's like supposed to be roller co- uh he's not roller coastering he's supposed to be on a fuck what's it called this what do we got a board on the skates the skateboard what <laughs> it's just skateboarding down the street and he falls down and then suddenly his skateboard turns into a computer generated skateboard that flies mm-hmm. off mm-hmm. like what the hell am I- this looks like a weird art project not like anything you would make for actual human consumption yeah. yeah, and so after that, um, Damon, look at haircut guy, gets uh, has his rock of fire shit locked up behind a thick ass door gate. Like somebody's actually gonna go in there and try to steal any of this garbage. I mean, I can, especially you're in the you're in the deep south. Who the fuck knows what's gonna happen? Who might fuck with your shit if you're not watching it? But yeah, yeah. I mean, I can't like I was man. I should have looked up to see how so, how, how much it costs to buy one of these bands because it's got to be like ten thousand bucks. And yeah, so if you've got a $10,000 investment just sitting out there, like, I can see, like, most yeah. <laughs> normal people weren't going to try to steal that shit, but, like, you never know. Yeah. And, and they, they're talking to these people, and fucking sure, Chris, drink some fucking Mountain Dew on camera in a sleeveless shirt to show off your knot muscles next to your Miss Pac-Man machine. Why not? Live the stereotype. That Eat is, it up. That is the weirdest thing, because, like... And the, no, no, Bill, no. The weirdest thing is how he swishes it around in his mouth before he swallows it. Yeah, and because then he also, does that multiple times. And then they also it's sh- a it's a tick he has where he goes like he swishes it around in his mouth like mouthwash. Yeah, you don't. Who does that with any type of soda? Yeah, and they also show like his kitchen and his kitchen sink is just filled, literally overflowing. No, that's that's later. That's later. Oh, is that later? It's not. Now. I have a whole. St- I have a whole. That's, and that's one of the things, that, like, yeah. did they do that on purpose, or they just really not know a camera crew was coming to t- document them for the, this one thing that they're going to be known for all over the world more than anything else they do in the rest of their lives? It's just I the have, weirdest uh, I have a, thing. I have another legitimate question that sounds like an insult. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's a tell, yeah. That's the welcome to this whole unha- podcast. How unhappy were these dudes' childhood that this band was the highlight? And the thing they glom onto? <laughs> that's... You're kind of getting to the root of the kind of sadness about this whole documentary, and it's 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 really easy to just kind of paint it as a broad brush as like, well, so there's the third to do in the deep south, but Jesus Christ, I mean, I'm sure people there's people over the country who have fallen as deeply in love with the rock of fire explosion as these guys. It's just unfortunate, like for whatever reason, the documentary crew could only filmed people from like the same like five square mi- square mile area in the deep south. So it just really makes it look like there's literally nothing to do in the deep south other than just fall deeply, profoundly in love with a robot I mean, band. But I like mean, Chris, Chris mentions how his mom would dump him there and go to the movies alone. Uh, which like, that Jesus Christ, how much of a terrible mom do you have to be to do that? I occasionally yeah. you need especially maybe his mom was a single mom presumably so those, he's that's not, like those 
but those parents who would dump their kids off in the the, the game store like Hollywood, yeah, game crazy and go do other shit. Well, that's what treat I'm about the to say. place like a babysitter. It's not like terrible parenting is unique to the deep south or anything that like no. that fuck that ain't for yeah, but it just does really suggest such a dark and empty picture of these these people's childhoods. And even more, because, like, I've seen a whole bunch pop... I, like I said, I'm a fat nerd who lives in a basement full of, like, with action figures, so I cannot throw too many stones. But, like, you even see other pop Or culture. maybe you're the perfect version to throw stones. <laughs> exactly, yeah. Um, but I've seen other pop culture documentaries, and they always, you know, talk to nerds and stuff like that, but there's something extra just weird about this documentary where, like, the, the, these, these guys' relationship with the Rock of Fire seems a little bit extra just... I, I don't want to say sad, but, like, the, the, the pictures they're painting of their own childhoods with their own words is kind of... has a little more of an edge of darkness than... And no, I'm not even suggesting anything that actually dark happened, but, like, there's... I don't know, man. Some, some, ugh, some oogie shit going on in the background of this documentary that's kind of uncomfortable to talk and think about, just because, like... Man, like, there's really nothing else for these poor fucking kids to do when they were growing up. Like, yeah, were there no, like, malls they could go to or play some fucking video games that's not, like, know. a fucking showbiz pizza or something like shit, man? So but, then the, the, the documentary talks about how 2008 Chris put up uh, home videos of oh, yeah, and that's, Fire yeah. Robots performing a popular song. And it says the videos received over one million views, and nowadays that seems like such a piddly amount. Oh, God, you had an era where it's, like, 60 video. million views for, like, a thingy, yeah. Which again, this documentary made was a decade ago, so YouTube yeah. was still relatively new and at the time. Yeah, he he programmed that shit to sing booty 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 everywhere. <laughs> Which you and know then, what? And to so, give Chris Thrash credit, I would not have expected that guy to make a YouTube video that that's fun, that fucking funny. Like that's great. Yeah. And like yeah, guy. Which give maybe credit if Chris the bands, Thrash. maybe if the bands had sung that, the fucking place would have stayed afloat for a little while longer. That's but. instead of fucking Beatles covers or whatever the fuck by the fucking dipshit inventor guy. Exactly. Yeah, that would not have. So, because I heard some of the songs he wrote, and oh, you know what? I found a Ooh. gig and a half dump of all the music files that were ever created for the Rock Fire Explosion. And I've listened to a lot of that music in preparation for this podcast, and it, which that's the one of the things laughing at the blonde lady talking about how she got into the Rock of Fire because of the music. <laughs> it is, it's like getting into elevator music. It's like I'm a real big fan of this listening to this music company. Well, there's think, there's one particular <laughs> moment where, like, oh. I think it's during the part of the documentary where they're talking about the grand opening of it yeah and it's like the camera's panning this old ass vhs footage is panning towards the stage and the curtain opens and they start singing about how they're the rock of fire explosion and it sounds awful it's like the the bump 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 it's yeah it's, i don't even know how it's to describe it it just doesn't sound shit. it doesn't sound like good music yeah and and then later when aaron tries when he sings a happy birthday song it's happy birthday <sighs> Da, 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 da. It no, you're like, doing too much melody. For it sounds it. like he's making up it as he goes along, and like, yeah. like as if he's never even played a like fucking piano before or something like that. And this is the guy who remade all the fucking music, which explains yeah. why the music's so terrible. And again, that kind of leans into the like painting the dark picture of these kids' childhood when they thought like, like, like at least the characters are kind of bright and cheerful enough, and the robotics could have been. Uh, impressive enough in like the early 80s that you can kind of see how this would be distracting if you've got absolutely nothing else in your life as a kid but it just, it just adds to that kind of waja kind of like embarrassment by proxy for these people by for, of these fans just that like this is the like defining thing in their lives well yeah so then uh, Chris says uh, I did it for me I didn't want 
showbiz pizza place never to be never be taken away from me again because I was always it was always gonna be mine which is, speaks volumes uh, showbiz pizza got taken away from him yeah it didn't close it didn't get merged by Chuck E. Cheese it got taken from him yeah it's, it it's was a personal his thing. it belonged to him and they took it away from him if you replace the word Rockefeller explosion or showbiz with like a woman's name these guys would all sound like obsessive maniac. Like, I mean, you could, God knows you can be obsessive of anything about that's not a woman, but you know what I mean. It's like, yeah, yeah. If if, if you change the context for what they're talking about, to almost anything else would even be more like, like maybe they would understand how kind of crazy. Which I think they like they seem to be self aware enough that because they seem to be kind of sheepishly embarrassed by admitting this stuff that they obviously obviously they can't talk to normal people about this stuff, so they seem a little embarrassed to talk about even to a camera crew about this stuff. So they're not completely uh, un self aware about it, but it is and at least they're being honest though. That's the one thing yeah. I also give them props. I'm not gonna like throw stones at that guy for saying that because that's obviously how he honestly feels. And fuck, yeah. like I said, as a fact of living, I just think it's I, ju I don't. Yeah, but it is language it, does suggest it such says a, a lot. It's not just oh I'm a fan of that thing, but like you really feel like oh my god, this is actually a part of this guy's fabric of this dude's soul for better or for worse. And like hey, yeah. I mean I'll respect he feels as like much as anything else. It was as someone. Who it was a big part of his yeah. childhood, and he feels like he owns it yeah. because it was what was important to him as a child and i mean the, well that's kind of the thing how you get end up like as uh, i'm sitting here talking like you know, i'm a huge star wars fan and that's how you end up with shithead star wars fans at like trying to drive uh female stars from the new movies off of social media because they feel that sense of ownership and when it's violated that's when they go on the offensive at least this at least all these guys their sense of ownership over the rock fire explosion it's kind of passive and and at least Chris Thrash, he's kind of trying to use it for good, because, like, we get the later, but, like, he's letting kids play with the band and stuff like that. So at least it's not this kind of thing of, like, they're attacking other people because they feel like the Rock of Fire explosion has been taken away. But, yeah, again, like I say, a window into the soul of, like, you get to see, like, yeah, it's it's mine, it was taken away. I have to reclaim that for myself. And that's, that is what ends up with all these guys <laughs> owning a $10,000 animatronic robot animal band in their basement so fuck yeah me. and uh, there's a very quick scene where they're talking to travis the webmaster and he's obviously a webmaster because he has star <laughs> wars figures still in the blister packs hanging on his wall i've got like yeah i'm almost that guy now and i'm 10 years older and this is 10 years beyond this guy so like, yeah get this is yeah <laughs> so the fucking uh, this, this, uh, i'm throwing <laughs> fucking making fun of the mirror a little bit too much here but yeah but you know, it is totally like a cartoon stereotype of like oh but no yeah. when i was probably it looks like a dilbert like cartoon 17 18 i had some shit on my wall like that yeah. which is why i'm able to recognize it and say oh no oh sweet Says summer the child guy who no. grew up out of his shit and actually has a child and responsibilities now yeah oh so God. uh there's footage of chris buying his robots from aaron uh, yeah i guess you actually went footage. down to florida and to Aaron's workshop and actually like he talks about it, like they had a nine hour day where they did nothing but just load his robot band onto a truck mm -hmm. yeah yeah and and footage of uh, Chris talking about how well not footage a photo of him talking about how he was a, a DJ at a skating rink which is simultaneously the least surprising and yet somehow still the most surprising thing again that he could have done this guy's got depths like don't underestimate Chris Thrash because he'll surprise you He's a fucking... Who would look at this guy and think, oh, he's a kick-ass DJ? Uh, yes, <laughs> I can just imagine that everybody's skating around in a circle because that's fun. He's and all then fucking he says, girl all right, talk, yeah. though. He's all like, yeah, world-class. Like, 
<laughs> All right, y'all. It's time for the hokey pokey. Let's get in a big circle. Well, that's the thing. I'm sure by DJ, he's just the guy who turns on the radio of the local music <laughs> channel and then turns it off again. But like, mm-hmm. in his, yeah. his silk Goku shirts, probably. Yeah. I mean, he's musically so, savvy enough to, like, have all the booty-shaking music yeah. that he put into the clips for his YouTube videos that made him so famous. But it, He talks about how he worked part-time jobs, and he'd do anything to earn the money to buy those robots. He sucks so many dicks. He does say he maybe would, that maybe, he, that's, uh, maybe that's how he lost all his teeth. He says he, he did do almost anything to get the money to pay for the yep, man. He sure I'm does. Wink, wink, uh, nudge, nudge. He, <laughs> he ain't gay. All over that sailor guy. Um... But yeah, it, actually, I'm kind of surprised because uh, that's another reason why I wanted to look up the price of the band because he talks about he, how he uh, scrimped and saved for two years to buy the band. And I can't imagine being a DJ at a fucking skate rink pays enough. Like, I'm surprised no. he was able to scrape up however Those much were... money that is in just two years. Those were dying in 1992, which is probably the last time I went to Yeah, one. at a fucking skate... Like... <sighs> It's obviously something, yeah. A fucking skaterama skate rink out in the middle of fucking buttfuck Tennessee or whatever the fuck. Uh, yeah. How I, I, you think they would just be paying him with free roller skating tickets? Or uh, uh, just, like, how much money are you making as a DJ? Especially because under a skating rink, you could just turn on the radio. You don't need a DJ for that stuff. <laughs> yeah. But I guess, the, I guess, the, I guess within this town, Phoenix, was it Phoenix, Alabama or whatever? Uh, I guess it's yeah. uh, the the skating rink is popular enough to justify. Uh, is this the part where it t- talks about how he got married there and everything? No. Okay. So. Um, but this is like the footage. skating rink is a huge part of that dude's life. Yeah, there's old footage of Aaron on a news segment, and you can tell he's wacky because he's wearing something on his head that isn't a hat, but he's wearing it like a hat. He's really zany. Yeah. Oh god, yeah, he's got like a little. It's like a French fry bowl or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. He's kind of, but they say he his company they were they were making twenty million a year in the eighties with these dumb robots. And he, you know, but it's funny because later he talks about how uh, all the Rock of Fire explosion bands that he built were built from like between nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty three. So he only had those three years of twenty million dollars a year, which granted that's sixty million dollars, but still. It's, it's, yeah, it's not like he was making $20 million a year all throughout the 80s. Well, that, that was, was also in the early 80s. Yeah, and also more. $20 million, 1982, man, that's, that's, that's nothing to sneeze at. But it sounds like he had, like, like 300 employees, so it's not like all that money was going straight into his pockets or anything. But, no. But he actually, it does seem still. like he actually had a real business there for a while. Yeah, and yeah. He, he, there's, he talks about how he graduated college in the 70s, and, he was really schmarmy because he thought he was going to solve the energy crisis with a car that looked like it was made out of canvas and duct tape. I, this is kind of this guy all over. Yeah, take that. Did you get hit by a baby ray? Uh-huh. <laughs> I got turned into a baby. Well, it's funny because I didn't hear him come in. I just heard you go. And he had a car and then... I <laughs> baby. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. No, his car. It looks like garbage, but he thought it was gonna be a big thing. Oh yeah, and his car really—it's like it's like canvas sided and like with aluminum rods to build the body. It's, and it has these tiny rods. It's like less than a go kart. 
<laughs> like, yeah, they show him driving it around, and it looks like it's gonna shake apart. It literally looks like it's like he, it's like he took like a homemade uh, kite kit and put tires mm-hmm. on it, and like it looks like something like like or almost like like a built like a uh, 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 not a hut like a tent, so like a camping tent. But like yeah, it's got kind of like that lightweight like canvas and just like aluminum stuff, and it's funny to think that he thought uh, he was gonna build his own future, and like the tires are the size of like large donuts. And like, what? You can't take anyone, like, as a single-person occupancy vehicle, maybe that could have worked out. If you don't live in a place without wind or rain, but, like, yeah. This, that's, this guy all over, he's kind of the super cut-rate Doc Brown, where he thinks he's gonna make his next million with some kind of batshit stuff, but, yeah. And then Daniel disappeared. Sorry, I took muted him it. Away. Um, no, it's fine. So he, he thought he was gonna make money with those <laughs> I thought making there was that. Be but the he... sound of whistling wind is like <laughs> Daniel just disappears and never gets heard from again. Oh yeah. So, but he thought he was gonna make money with that, so he could mass produce the cars. Yeah. Um. So he made something that sucked the leaves out of pools, and then he went door to door, being like, "I suck the leaves out of your pools." <laughs> and that's. Well, I'm not gay, make... but I want to suck the leaves out of your pools. <laughs> Like, how, what, that's not gonna, what, ten bucks? <laughs> yeah, and also, like, don't they already have that equipment in the world? I mean, I'm, uh, I guess it should be impressed they invented, like, a leaf, leaf in the reverse 70s, sucker. I don't but, know. Yeah. So, and, and, um, he his knocked on some guys. Sorry, I'm watching this car showed up again. <laughs> <laughs> that's like something from Hannibal Bar- Barbera wacky races. Anyway, yeah. yeah. He knocked on some guy's door. He's like, "Oh, you're an inventor. Well, can you invent something for an amusement park shooting range?" And he was like, "Yes." <laughs> he was just Mr. Burns. Yes. <laughs> Intended his finger in a thunderclap. <laughs> yes. Um, and yeah. uh, it so and then that leads to making animatronic heads and then whole bands. And then he, talking about the bands, he says, I found people who could sculpt it, so it really looked like a real gorilla. No, you found somebody who sculpted it, so it looked enough like a yeah, gorilla. Yeah, there's a reason why his market wound up becoming really impressionable redneck teens who had no nothing better to be impressed by in their lives, because they're the only people who would be impressed by this shit. Then and... this motherfucker says a line that I had to make sure I got correct. <laughs> yeah. Like, he says, animatronics is like everything there is in the universe put together because you're creating an artificial life form. Dude really thinks highly of his jerky, seizure animatronics. Uh, I guess at the time, though, his animatronics were considered to be generally better than Chuck E. Cheese's. So, but yeah, when you're saying artificial intelligence, there's no... It's, <laughs> it, what you've made is like a bunch of like bicycle valves that make like a fucking carpet herk and jerk in a way that kind of looks like a fucking robot bear, but it's not like artificial intelligence. Jesus Christ. Yeah, and Chris um, talks about uh, the Mac valves, which oh, suck yeah. the air in and out and make the things move, and it makes them move realistically. Well, they're not doing their job very well if that's realistic. And also makes the huge clattering sucking sounds that is so distinctive uh, to, to all these animatronics of the era where, hey, even at Chuck E. Cheese, that's, man, you miss this going to, like, the, the shit as a kid, where, uh, yeah, you'd have a band performing and all you could hear really more than the, even the music itself is it's clank 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 and like this air yeah. hissing hoses and shit like that and that was man that was always disconcerting jesus <laughs> god you could hear their then, cr- like their joints creaking and everything yeah yeah and there's a sign that says welcome to phoenix uh city alabama 
gateway to East Alabama. <laughs> Which, of course, yeah, um, <laughs> where hey, everyone's no, trying hey, to go hey, is East Alabama. Hey, Bill, yeah. that is the home of the 1999 U.S. Little League champion. Actually, which is Thank actually you. for East Alabama. That's actually not that. That's, you know, hey, that, yeah. That's more than Southeast Portland has ever been home to, as of where yeah. I'm recording from right now, but yeah. Well, shockingly, Chris has never left this place. Yeah, he was, well, he was technically born in the next town over, but he's grown, yeah, he's just, and this is like a town where it seems like there's 20 people living in it, yeah. Yeah. It's like um, by the side of the road-ass fucking little town. He does uh, uh, own a small house, which he brags about how the only thing he drinks is Mountain Dew. It's a weird flex, but okay. Oh God, yeah, and he's and he's saying this, and he's got a, like a big showbiz pizza thing of Mountain Dew, and he's sitting on a couch where like the and then upholstery of the couch has been ripped off the side. And again, it's like one of those things where like I appreciate this guy giving the the the, the TV crew an unvarnished look at his life, but like you think he and then he, take, he does it, yeah. He does it again where he takes a swig of the Mountain Dew and then swishes it around in his mouth. They say you gotta get all those flavors. You gotta get the complex, <laughs> all those complex, uh, you know, <laughs> fucking parts of the Mountain Dew you've, all over you've, your tongue. You've, you've gotta let it flow over your raw, exposed nerve endings because your teeth are gone. You're just dangling tooth or particles. Or rotted away. Yeah, exactly, yeah. Oh, so, my gosh. Uh, the kids in his neighborhood enjoy his robots, I guess. I am honestly says, shocked when they talk to the kids and the kids actually do the know the names of the robots in the band. Because I thought, well, that what, I, I what was, else are you gonna do in Alabama? That's true too. But like, I was one girl says it's it's fucking lit. Your heart gets beaten fast when you watch it. Mm. I had my first orgasm watching that <laughs> band. I was... As your heart gets beating fast, you, you really want to run away because it's a nightmare, but you stay there and you watch because you don't want to offend Chris. <laughs> He's got a gun and he won't let us leave. <laughs> I was morbidly, I was morally afraid that like they were like the, this camera crew was going to interview these kids about the band and they, they would ask them for the details and they would be like, we don't know, like, they're like, we think that guy's a fucking creep and like, <laughs> no, they actually seem to be genuinely, like... Like they know yeah. the band of that actually hung out and like, so eh, Chris Thrash seems like a pretty cool dude. Like yeah, yeah, all things considered. Yeah, he's just passionate about the wrong thing. Let's put it this way: if I had the Rock Fire Explosion band in my shed out and behind my fucking house, I would not be letting little fucking kids fuck with that shit. It would be me at three o'clock in the morning getting drunk, making that band perform for me and me only, and that's ain't anyone else fucking with that band. <laughs> so kudos to that guy to at so, least try to share with the community. Yeah, people uh, talk about their history with showbiz, and they love that shit because they then became obsessed with it and would draw it, and, have, and then they never grew up. And then uh, Aaron talks about um, forming the shit and getting it all started, saying exactly... It, it, there's footage of, like, grand openings and shit, and he says it was exactly like rock and roll. They were rock and roll stars. Yeah. No, you weren't. No. no, you fucker. You don't know what rock and roll is. And when he's saying that, he's like, it's exactly like rock and roll. It's footage of some old investor walking up in a gray suit These to this grand opening. Just like rock and roll. These are some fucking Mr. Burns investors. Where like, there's a guy who becomes, I guess, it becomes more of a pointed thing later in the documentary. Like one of the investors. Uh, well, it's 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 when the inventor guy starts talking about how he came to 
blows with the uh, like the guys who founded Showbiz Pizza Place over the rights for the Rock of Fire explosion. He starts like there's a guy named Gene Cram who's this old guy with like this fucking terrible <laughs> wig on. You get to see yeah. in in this footage of like uh, yeah of Showbiz Pizza Place's opening, and yeah you get to see there's like a Billy Bob balloon, hot air balloon, and you get to see inventor guy. He shows he's actually dressed like Billy Bob, getting out of the helicopters and dedicating new Showbiz well, Pizza well, Places. So. Uh, on the 100th restaurant opening, um, Aaron got, he got flown in, in a helicopter, yeah, in the Billy Bob yeah. suit, and danced around for the crowd that was waiting outside for their shitty pizza that probably tastes like cardboard. <laughs> Again, Deep South, what and else that, gonna do? that, when they were, did that, is when the, 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 the money people realized they were losing money. And it's never explained, May- it's just randomly Maybe. Up. Maybe don't fly dudes in suits in in a helicopter. I mean, that's a pretty good point. And it's have them have them parachute in and and kill the hamburglar like the Homer did. It's it's funny too because I've seen documentaries where they talk about like you know the openings of like you know like the Chuck E. Cheese version of this is like you know it's, it's Nolan Bushnell, the guy who founded Atari, and so much of that stuff was like Silicon Valley hijinks and because the, they also talk about how that was kind of a rock and roll kind of crazy time but at least that was like in the silicon valley and that was actually a place with a tech future it's kind of funny to seeing the deep south equivalent of all this where it's like it's rock and roll we had a helicopter and one rented limo that was rock and roll <laughs> and yeah super yep. low stakes but yeah it's yeah but suddenly i, I guess showbiz pizza i guess they weren't really good at accounting because they spent all their money on that one billy bob suit and a hot air balloon <laughs> and now we li- get to learn about chris's wife and Aaron and uh, and Carrie's relationship. And this, hey, guess what? I didn't take notes on. No, this uh, my note here is man, shit gets really. Uh, so I, when they start I, contrasting I, the romantic lives of inventor guy and main fan guy, especially so I, I, yeah. I guess we need to know that if these guys were able to find love, there's hope for anyone. God, it's this is the part. Crit, I don't Chris. Oh. Chris and his wife met at the skate park. They got married at the skate park. He proposed at the skate park. <laughs> the skate park. I just got the skate park is a very part important part of the community, man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The skaterama uh, specifically. That's what it is. Yeah. Mm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Video footage of nah, that. I'm not. That's done. We're co- done covering the romance because. <laughs> it's for just... as aw- for as awkward as Chris is, his wife is like. That got compacted at a black star and spit back out. Yeah, um, this poor lady is so socially awkward. I did see something where uh, last night after watching this, I did look up just to see what Christopher Thrash is up to these days and stuff, and we'll talk about it at the end of the podcast. But I did see two people like last year. Uh, they were able to like track Chris Thrash down because if you just Google Chris Thrash, you could just find his home phone number and his home address. So you can just mm. call him up and visit him if you want. It's not like the kind of thing where he's ever put that data out there, but it's just one of those things where, like, if you just Google somebody, you yeah. can just find their information on the internet because, like, some kind of, like, fucking personal information website just has it out there. And so these yeah. people just went well, down. That, like, what? Yeah, go ahead. That and the Mountain Dew trucks that show up at his house <laughs> exactly, every other week yeah. to drop follow, off a pallet. Just follow the Mountain Dew pipelines at one point he does, he does say he drinks just over two liters of Mountain Dew a day. Yeah. Which my mom would That's do that with lot. Pepsi. Ooh. Yeah, like I'm, I'm, mm. I, I have actual firsthand experience with people doing that shit. Um, but yeah, no, so these two fans just like when the last couple of years they just decided to go like, hey, let's go visit the Chris Thrash, and they did. And I guess Chris Thrash was working late night at work, 
he wasn't home yet, but his wife was home, and they and she invited them in, and so they took all this video and footage of them just hanging out with Chris Thrash's wife, and she like made them pizza rolls, and they just all hung out. She seems super cool, actually. Like mm. I, I again, yeah, it's one of those things you could easily make fun of her in this documentary, but the fact she just let these like rocket fire explosion fans, or I guess people just seeing this documentary, just kind of oh, no, show up I'm... and hang out at her house for like an afternoon. I'm not necessarily. Oh no, I know exactly what I'm you're talking about. Just but just like socially, probably doesn't yeah. like the, is very shy in front of cameras and stuff. Yeah, very sweet lady, but like... Like, hey, the way I'm talking to you right now, I am not that way with new people. I am quiet and don't say shit exactly, much to yeah. my wife's annoyance. Still the one. ABC. Just, it just blows you away. You're looking at you like this is really happening. This is, it's not, it's not some dream that maybe one day, it's like, this is real. I actually just kept pushing and kept pushing. I would not let my dream go. I would not let it go. I started a new restaurant chain called Showbiz Pizza Place, and we got singing robots in there. And I think back to when I was a little kid sitting at that table eating pizza and thinking it in my mind that one day I'd like to have that show, but never really thinking I'd have it. The word was given to stop making shows. We're not gonna open any more restaurants. 200, that's it, we're not opening anymore. I thought that for 10 years they was gone. There was just nothing, just gone. It's everything that you can imagine. You weld, you solder, you drill. Um, you have to learn something about electronics. Animatronics is, is like everything there is in the universe put together because you're creating, you're creating an artificial life form. And I never, I've never seen anything like that before. And it just kind of stuck with me, like the animatronics and the voices and the music. Anytime somebody asks me, well, what, what is your favorite childhood memory? It's going to see these guys. I would think about it. I would write stories about it. I would just obsess about it. And so even though I wasn't there a lot, I took it with me. It just, it meant so much to me as a kid because it was more or less all that I had. It was a huge dream come true for us. It was like being in rock and roll. Exactly like being in rock and roll. There's a whole fan community of people that feel the same way I do. And now, out of nowhere, here comes Chris Thrash. He's basically the king of the rock fire explosion world as far as I'm concerned. I'm Chris Thrash. I'm 31 years old. I was born and raised right here in Phoenix City, Alabama. If you can remember Showbiz Pizza Place, I was fortunate enough to be able to get the animatronic band that played there. It's called the Rock Fire Explosion. Hey there, I hear it's your birthday. How old are you? Well, I'm... That's great. Would you like us to sing you a special song? Hell no. You got it. Ready, Senor Bibarati? I'm already... And the one, and the two! You're the birthday, you're the birthday, you're the birthday boy or girl! 
Showbiz Pizza Zone. Come for the pizza, stay for the fun. Enjoy all-you-can-eat hot-from-the-oven pizzas and fresh salads all day, every day. Adults, $7. Drink and tax included and kids, $3.99. Rock a fire explosion concert shows throughout each day and loads of fun in the arcade where kids of any age have fun. Mention this commercial and receive 15% off your entire meal at Showbiz Pizza Zone. Come for the pizza, stay for the fun. But the the terrible thing is, like, as much as the documentary seems to kind of, like, make Chris and his wife seem kind of a little goofy, uh, yeah, this is where you also see Inventor Guy is fucking one of his, like, the hot lady lady, a hot lady fan is now his, is it a wife or just girlfriend? I don't know. Like, it's, she doesn't have a last name, so we don't know. She's just blonde. She's just he's Carrie. elderly and oven roasted, and they have this really <laughs> uncomfortable. He's he's gay and oven roasted, and she's like, I don't know why she's here, or I, I cannot get a beat on her. Like, cause yeah. is this guy actually rich, and that's the reason why she's fucking someone? He's got to be still rich. Cause, but at the same time, we see this guy's lab later in the documentary, and it's fucking falling apart. Like, shit's melting. So this guy can't have but that much it's, money. But like, no, but it's still a huge warehouse it that is. he can afford to own or that's rent or weirdest. whatever the fuck it is. Cause where's the guy getting the money just to pay for the electricity to keep that place running? It's fucking crazy. Yeah. I wonder if he's like as a rich uncle who died, and he's just been coasting off the fucking money he got from like a fucking. I don't, yeah, who knows? Maybe he yeah. just invested very smart. But yeah, the know, contrast uh, so, with the romantic lies of the two main couples in this documentary is usually the most like, like fucking collar pulling part of the documentary. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, then there's video footage showing how to break down. Uh, the rock and fire explosion and destroy all the props because these will not be used again. <laughs> Outside of the rock and fire uh, explosion documentary and Chris Thrash's rock and fire video of him, like you know, like having the rock and fire sing uh, uh, like modern rap songs and stuff like this. This concept unification video where they show how to tear down a rock and fire explosion band and turn it into a Chuck E. Cheese band seems to be the other most popular thing regarding the rock and fire explosion on the internet. Just because it's so funny just to watch like now. St- tear off Billy Bob's face. Now tear <laughs> off his pants. It's just yeah. like this breaking down of all these cute little cartoon characters. You know the most essential parts, and they're like, take away cubby holes, little cubby hole, tree, tree stump, throw it away because it will never be used again. And mm-hmm. like it's just this clinical dismemberment so, of this band. It's just something kind of creepy but funny at the same time. Yep. In 1993, Showbiz pulls the rock of fire explosion from its showrooms and replaces it with Munch's make-believe band. Oh, no. Yeah. So then these weird dudes lament about how sad they are that the band left, and Travis says it had been a few years since he went in, but he remembers going in and seeing a bastardized version of the rock of fire on stage and being completely appalled by it. He w- he was so upset. He didn't go back for like 5 years. I I guess I cannot imagine being so specifically into the rock of fire itself that you show up and see that a different band is there and you're just like fuck this place burn it to the ground I don't want to ever be here again. Even so, even though the restaurant is exactly the same it's just a different band and a different name on the restaurant. Now it's Chuck E. Cheese rather than Showbiz. But I just love the idea that you would be so into that band or those characters that you would just like have this salted earth, scorched earth policy towards ever wanting to go back to that place again. Especially again you're in the middle of the Deep South what the hell else is there to do? 
Yeah, oh I guess when God. it's the only thing you have in your world. But yeah, so this is all just about like yeah, everyone reacting to the horrors of of of, of Fats Domino, Fats Geronimo, <laughs> and all these other guys suddenly not being there. Now you got like Mr. Munch and Jasper T. Jowls, and which is yeah. funny because those are the so, characters I grew up with. So I'm like, that's a fucking upgrade, man. But well, yeah. th- at least they're characters, not just <laughs> ugly animals. <laughs> ugly animals. Fats Geronimo is a horrifying gorilla staring like, yeah. yeah. Oh my god. So, uh, Mike is talking about how they started leasing the band out to other restaurants. And he says at one point, uh, so this is the guy with the wig hair? Oh, I yeah, lumpy metalhead guy, yeah. So, and he's talking about how they, um, the, the creative engineering was leasing stuff out. And he makes such Freudian slip. He says, uh, <laughs> no. he says, no, he says at one point they told us, to, told creative in, engineering, and... That's not you. <laughs> You're not. You had nothing to do with anything. But he says us, and then corrects himself and says creative engineering. Yeah, that's again identifying you're not just a fan but you're like a part of the thing where you can't like the lines between yourself and the thing that you're a fan of are so blurred that yeah that's that's kind of the beating heart of the weirdness of this documentary and, and, is that kind of like and, that kind of and he's self he's self-aware to know that he goofed up and yeah, said us because he knows that's not a good thing to see or think but he said it and he has to kind of walk it back a little bit but mm-hmm. yeah yeah and like i said there's nothing unique to about this to the rocket fire explosion uh, fans or anything like that but that is just no that is a threshold you don't want to cross as a fan it's too much, or at least admit to it. Well, I don't know, because all sports fans do that. They I mean, say us when they're talking about their teams well, and whatnot. Although, at least, well, that's kind of the weird thing, and, like, sports fans, uh, or sports teams do, like, with their, like, yeah, we're Steelers Nation or whatever the hell, they they, they go out of their way to uh, fucking facilitate that kind of thinking, because that's how they make their money off yeah. of that shit. Whereas this, especially for something that it really hasn't existed in 30 years, it's kind of weirder to think these people are, like, yeah, like, like mixing their identity with this thing that is dead. Although, I mean, it's, like, the, the, these bands and stuff wouldn't exist the way they are now if it wasn't for the fans kind of keeping the inventor guy alive, I guess, but... Yeah, but do we need that? No, that's... Uh, yeah. Oh, you can say that about anything if that's not food or sex. If these things have just died but... and danished, yeah. vanished, <laughs> aside from uh, some people who would have forgotten about them eventually, exactly. would anyone care? God. You know, I'm kind of surprised none of these guys went on and invented their own, like, band pizza thing. Like, like, who's still lamenting about Howdy Doody being taken off the air? Yeah, all the way in Eventually, world, things just die. In a world where Star Wars, after 40 years, is like... Like, and Marvel Comics from, like, 80 years ago are, like, taking over pop culture. Like, this is the era of shit never dies. Everyone's just stuck except, in this well, except perpetual Except, well, except they did die, but they brought back. Oh, yeah. Or they kind of just get warped in these other weird fucking versions of themselves that don't really... Yeah, I don't know. That that's the, again. That's another reason why I have a hard time throwing rocks at these guys too much because pop, all of pop culture now is geared towards taking advantage of people and their identity with the things they love, like these well, guys. Yeah, but like that's what Disney. You're... Like, you're, like, like I was joking about this yesterday about how I was making. Well, no, I was I was shit, talk shitting the new Playdate handheld thing, but I was joking about how. Uh, like, you're talking to someone who's looking up Star Wars Galaxy's Edge shit on eBay yesterday, so I can't make too much fun at anyone for, like, being stupidly in love with, like, stuff while, like, it's like Disney plus Star Wars, and I'm, like, a fan of that stuff, but, yeah. Yeah, me too. Mm, but... but at the same time, that's still an ongoing thing. It's not dead. That's like... kind of the weirder thing. It's I, I, Oh, hence you talking about Howdy Doody and stuff this like is, that. This yeah. would be like if you were still really into Silverhawks. Yeah. <laughs> 
silver spoon. I think you're gonna say silver spoons. Or yeah, silver spoon. Oh man, there was a, <laughs> or small there was a time wonder. Where silver spoons and silver hawks were on at the same time. That was a golden era. Ironically it's enough, so golden. <laughs> um, God, yeah, no, it's what. Well, and again, I guess that leads into the fact because like the only reason this stuff exists be, is because of the fans. So that's the why they would feel ownership over it. But yeah, and especially for something that only really lasted, the golden age of that band was only like two or th- like three or four years even though well, showbiz pizza place existed for like a decade like looking up the music files for that band like this guy was only cranking out material for uh new well, that's, new material for the band from like 1980 to like 1983 and that was it that's one thing my next note is maybe they didn't wouldn't have wasted so much money if they weren't like hey we need 200 new shows a quarter why? Yeah. How often are people go? You, I'm sorry, oh, we don't want well, anybody to see the same shows again at, when they come back to get their pizza. That's kind you of don't the terrible need thing that with just corporate things. growth, where like you just need re- unrealistic corporate growth. Otherwise, people think your company's failing, and so like you are like, let's open up 200 new restaurants this year, even though the world does not need 200. Oh, new- no, no, no. It's I. I don't. Is that what they're talking about? The 200 new shows a quarter, or I think I think that was them saying we made 200 songs per quarter oh by shows and, I think, and added it yeah uh looking up the fan uh, well actually maybe this is inside i get just from looking up the, the the fandom about this online after watching the documentary when they're talking about shows they're talking about uh uh actual physical the band uh mm, like okay. so like they actually it's kind of a shame because they talk about like this is how the thing uh chris thrash wound up having to sell his show quote-unquote yeah back to the inventor guy uh, a couple of years after this documentary end and that's how i realized that's how the, that's what the lingo is is the show is just a mm. copy of the band so that's what yeah when so when he gotcha because it came yeah. for me it came across as they were making 200 like uh, yeah no th- actually when i saw first saw the documentary that's what i thought too but it's funny okay. re-watching the second time after learning the lingo i was like oh okay i see why because that's why you created yeah so that just means that was 200 Fats Dominoes. They had to build 200 Billy Bob. Gotcha. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so, yeah, no, it's 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 crazy because I did find there's one very specific forum that talks about, like, it's the collector's forum. And they talk about, like, oh, yeah, did you see so-and-so? He had to sell his show to some Saudi Arabian prince. And there's that, that prince is collecting shows from people all over the world. And I was like, what are they telling? Like, oh, shows means just actual instances of the band. And so, mm. yeah, and like people will talk about like I've got three shows. I've got my my my, uh, my main show that I keep on my show floor. Then I got two backup shows that I use for parts. Mm. And like I'm like, oh gotcha. man, this goes fucking. That like, makes more sense then. Yeah, it's it's weird to see so, the lingo about that though. Yeah. Yeah. Well, then uh, the unthinkable happens. They merge with Chuck E. Cheese, which Aaron, <laughs> which, is like, which, which is Hiroshima it, for these fans, man. It's I feel so bad. Well, Aaron hated it because he thought his nightmare band was gonna be big with cartoons and movies and merchandise. Yeah. And nope. And he comes off so salty about his his characters getting removed and that they wanted him to give up his copyright on those characters like that's what was going to stop them from being popular not yeah. the march of time i ever, have to admit though forward. i am surprised that inventor guy was smart enough to uh, to have kept the copyright for the rockfire explosion so showbiz pizza couldn't just do whatever they wanted with it so I guess that's the thing. I guess their showbiz original plan is when they bought Chuck E. Cheese, they were just going to turn all the Chuck E. Cheeses into showbiz pizzas. But because uh, Aaron Fector, he kept the copyright to showbiz or to, to the Rockfire Explosion, 
he was like, no, you guys are fucking up my band. Or, like, I guess, does he explain why what, 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 the, what the issue was, like, creatively? Why he... I don't know. The, the, the guy was like, hey, if you give us the copyright, we'll still use him. They'll live oh, on. Oh, that's what it is. And, yeah. But then he was like, I'd rather take the risk that they'll go away forever than give up my copyright to them. Yeah. And, hey, guess what? They went away forever. <laughs> well, but that is the one thing that allowed him to keep on selling and, re- like, essentially establishing this relationship with the fans where he gets to sell more copies of the Rock of Fire Explosion to fans and stuff like that. But that does mean that the only people who care about the Rock of Fire Explosion are people who were like eight years old in 1982. Or half a dozen people. Yeah, that's, you know what, in looking up this community, it really does seem to be like a dozen people online. Like, yeah. it's it's the same eight people talking to each other. Because, like, even then, they talk about, like, Chris Thrash kind of fell off the internet after this documentary came out. And they're talking about, like, oh, I was hoping to get... Chris Thrash had this, like, jacket for the fucking idiot Spaceman wolf I was hoping to get. But, like, that's the only one I could find. But Chris Thrash is off the internet now, so I can't find him and talk to him anymore about that. Well, like, then, I like don't that. feel oh, as like... bad about about saying stuff if he's off the internet. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, and hmm. so... Then there's footage of the robots being taken apart and being put back together as Chuck E. Cheese robots. And hey, Bill. Yeah? Why does that bird need tits under her skin? <laughs> Is that even specifically a female bird? I don't know what's hey, going on. Hey, yeah, Bill. Just, these two tits that are mashed together. Like, really, it's just... I did not need, need to see that, that fucking mouse skinned. It's skin taken off, see it's big foam rubber tits beneath, and then see a fucking bird skin thrown on. It is just, oh god. You can totally hey. see how the Five Nights at Freddy's guys saw this documentary and went, well, we gotta make a game out of this bullshit. Well, okay, this so horror the, 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 show. The, oh, that god. actually, I do know the history of that a little bit. That actually wasn't, um... It wasn't that. That guy was making games. I, I just said, Bill, a screen cap. Of the fucking topless bird with the tits hanging out. <laughs> <laughs> I've got some pictures for you later, too, yeah. Oh, good. Uh, uh, he, that guy was actually just making games, but he used the Five Nights at Freddy's uh, characters in a game before Five Nights. Oh, yeah? It just just as characters, and every a comment was like, "These are fucking creepy. Please no. Please stop. Oh, Don't really? ever make these again." And he thought, "Hey, if everybody says these things are creepy, I'll just make a creepy yeah, that's, game that'll out be the of these point characters." Of the thing. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. But anyway, oh um, topless bird is no. <laughs> Thank you. So, um, uh, oh god. And then Chris says uh, he feels like these robots are his children because he's concerned with the temperature and the humidity. He doesn't want them to suffer. And then later, he sold his children. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of the sad thing when you find out later. Oh, did you know about that yeah. yourself or did you only find out now? Yeah, I, I, I looked up to see what how, how long his restaurant was in business. It was like so. two years. and A year, because yeah. he opened in 2009 and then it closed in 10. Yeah, it's... I caught that exact same screenshot. <laughs> There's a scary clown later. That's oh my gosh! It's the scariest. And again, clown. it's like it's like it's like killer clowns from outer space caliber. Me, We're trying to make a scary I wanna, clown. I want to send you mine and see if it's the exact. It may exact be the exact same, same frame because it's only on screen for like literally a second and a half. But it's tough for you. Go wait, what the fuck was that? Wait, what? What? Wait, wait, rewind that. <laughs> Oh Probably the my exact god! Same Again, frame. this is kind of the more the reason why. Oh, you know what? Actually, <laughs> I think yeah, I think we do. 
There's like one fleck. Oh my god. I love us. This is why we have a podcast. We may, we may make a terrible podcast, but we definitely think alike. And, and I like how the people who put this together, because that, uh, that, that, that that clown comes in a scene where it's like he's talking about how oh, he was. Yeah, the movie you know, has He a made all out. these different characters. And it's showing the different characters he made that he was trying to sell throughout time, and it's flashing through them. But then when it gets to the clown, it's the last one, and it lingers on the clown for a little bit to be like, look at this shit. The documentary guys, they this. knew what they were doing, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah. They, they weren't being clever about that shit, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, anyway. yeah, I love it when like a documentary like tries to be as passive as possible in a situation like this, but then they decide to editorialize just a little bit, just, just yeah. via editing, yeah. So then, this the, this documentary has a, a a section that all documentaries need to have, I think, which is called "It Got a Little Too Real and Sad for Everyone," where Chris talks about how his dad has cancer and is getting chemotherapy. Oh yeah, it makes his dad sick when he gets back, and he doesn't want to do anything, and he just wants him to be healthy, and, and he just wants to share the band with him a couple more times, and the band is his escape, and. He needs them as much as they need yeah. him. And I kind of wonder if Chris And is- hot damn, yeah. dude, you should probably talk to a therapist about this shit. I'm not even joking yeah, about that. Yeah, with all the money spent on the band, he, he could probably, yeah. He needs to talk to somebody about his issues in not not regarding the band, in yeah. just in life in general. Well, like I said, it seems like a very sweet guy. He just needs someone to, like, actually, like, rather than just, like, like drinking Mountain Dew in front of a band, he can never actually interact with like actually like yeah oh i mean hopefully get some of that from his wife or something like that but yeah that's the thing i like chris yeah. Ash enough i hopefully hopefully just emotionally he finds himself I mean, hopefully he's comfortable with himself out there but yeah that's that's especially the whole dying dad thing too uh, hopefully his dad didn't die around the same time his business the his 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 uh pizza place that we'll talk about later closed at the same time because i could see that also just being like fuck no yeah, wonder he's so- off the internet but that's real, real, uh, real, real. And then, um, hey, no, Chris, don't put on the bear costume. Please don't. That's, oh, no, and they, you they did. draw this out for the rest of the documentary. You see him slowly as- assembling the bear costume as as he's talking to him for, like for the last half hour well, of the it, documentary. Yeah. It takes like five minutes for him to pull on this bear costume because they speed it up like triple speed. And it's kind of funny to see thing. him like running around like, God, is if this one put this on? Yeah. And that's where you see. He is it a bitty. He be a bitty tiny man. guy. Yeah, that's tiny guy. Yeah, when they're when he's like when the camera crew is first showing him walking and out to the shed, that's always like this guy's and also his body proportions and stuff. That's why I thought because I know I I know someone with dwarfism, not not like just like like quote unquote normal dwarfism where you're just like you know like two feet tall, but someone where you're kind of like medium height and like mm-hmm. yeah, because like no, that's a thing, and he might just have that. So yeah, whatever. Yeah. But uh, but and, he um, yeah he it a bitty. He. Yeah, and he puts on the Billy Bear costume, and you're lucky I was able to record Bill because I thought I was never going to stop screaming. <laughs> that's man, that's the thing. These characters, the, the way they're sculpted, they all have just the faces and the rosy red cheeks, and something mm-hmm. about like the blankless stare. Like even it's built even to the costume. It's not even just the animatronics, but like that dead-eyed yeah. stare of. Have you ever seen the Dick the Birthday Boy photo? Yeah, of the course. the Rich Evans thing. Yeah, okay, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. Uh, Aaron says he's starting to program shows again using old fucking Apple II computers because why, why update your shit? God, is this the part where just... they actually start the tour of creative engineering in a warehouse? Because uh, they show like the computers that he's using. And because like all this shit was based off of like technology from 1981... 
uh, the, like the only stuff they like, like when you get a rock of fire explosion oh, show, like, you have to kind of close our chat window because that clown is staring at me. <laughs> but that's one of the terrible things is like, yeah, if you get one of these bands, it's not just buying the band, but then you also have to invest. I would, I was about to say something about how uh, you have to invest in a, a bunch of exp expensive old computer equipment, but I'm sure you could find like, like the Tandy that runs this thing for five dollars at Goodwill. Yeah. Um. But yeah, like it's it's a so, whole system you have to invest in and build up at your home. He he shows off the back of a machine he's been inventing, but it's not ready yet. It's it's, it's he, it needs some kind of new technology. It's it'll it's like an American Idol, but a game. Is so you mean like SingStar or Rock Band or? So uh, did you look up anything that, about the history of this? that exists, my man? So Inventor Guy claims this is one thing I don't think they get into the documentary, but like seeing it uh, stuff online, uh, this guy claims to have invented whack-a-mole, uh, hmm. uh, just as part of all the like all the like pneumatic engineering stuff he's built. And I guess even a lot of people who are into the whack-a-mole community online don't think seem to think that's true. Which I love the idea. There's an I, online whack-a-mole. I was gonna say I hate I hate the fact that you just said the whack-a-mole community <laughs> online. Um, but yeah, I've seen uh, I saw some people online who are part of like the entertainment community. Like yeah, the the, the, the amusement park entertainment community are kind of like well, we think that's kind of like at least it's it's up for argument at least. Yeah, mm -hmm. uh, but I did see like. I guess a couple years ago, he was making threats about how he was going to come up back with a new machine. He eventually invented Whack-A-Mole 2.0 in, like, 2015, where instead of, like, moles, it's, like, something else. And I think, like, he, like there was something they said he was also showing off where it wasn't... It was a machine... It was, like, a, a machine with, like, a Billy Bob robot that mm. you would sing to, and the Billy Bob robot would judge how well you're singing or something like that. And they hmm. said that, like, he showed that off at a trade show or two, but, like, no one bought it and, like, nothing happened to it. And I wonder if that's what he's talking about. Because he's, if he's saying it's, like, a singing needs, entertainment thing. But it was still, like, I know he's yeah. proud of these horrible characters, but it's time to move on, my man. Yeah, well, you know what? We'll get to that, because, like, one of my last notes of this, taking notes about this stuff is, like, it's worth that this guy talks about how he's always looking to the future, but he seems to be resting his laurels so much still after 30, almost 40 years now on these characters. But we'll get to that. He decided to yeah. experiment with something new that backfired a little bit. We'll so, yeah. That, which actually kind of leads into something we did talk about earlier. But anyway, but yeah. It's, so yeah. He, sh he starts to show around his messy abandoned uh, building where all the shit was built. Yeah. And he goes into the boardroom and it is early 80s as fuck. It's all wood paneling, but he does have a cool lighting system in the ceiling where he can do, like, dramatic mood lighting and stuff, but, yeah, this is obviously a facility that, like, has not seen anyone working in it in about at least 10 years, and that's what he's talking about, how this oh, place... Oh, 20. Yeah, he used to have, like, 325 employees, and, like, 10 years ago, he had to, like, cut it down to, like, 10, and just, like, a couple years before that, like, he had to finally... You get know his... you know how he could make a lot of money with this building? Just make it into one big escape room. <laughs> Actually, that would be fantastic. God, I wonder if he charges Rock of Fire fans, all ten of them. Yes, I, I read that online. He actually does charge money for tours of this place. Because, again, I don't know how else you make money off of this stuff, and I'm sure Rock of Fire, like, the three Rock of Fire fans out there who would love to see this place, they would pay to get in here, because... Well, he even talks about how, like, he's showing off, like, the costuming department, and he's always like... Oh, everyone loves this department because everyone needs like a jacket for fats or something. And I wonder—I'm assuming he charges them for the jacket for fats and stuff that he has. 
but yeah. also he talks about he's showing off how he he's building a show that's going to like the Middle East, and but I guess they said that the women and children in the Middle East were too scared of Fats Geronimo, so they had to quote unquote whiten him up a little bit and turn him into a golden gorilla. Which I mm-hmm. thought that was kind of racist and fucked up, but oh, I thought you were gonna say. When you started laughing, I thought you were going to talk about how the time Michael Jackson came to visit his <laughs> place. Also, that he also admits that Michael Jackson was not too impressed. Which, <laughs> yeah. Which I thought that was actually. Which that motherfucker like Genesis music. He yeah. Likes oh, all kinds God, of party yeah. shit. Theron Factor should have been like, man, fucking Moonwalker's bullshit. Who are you to judge? Get the fuck out of here, Michael Jackson. <laughs> if you are even Michael Jackson, if you're not just one of your impersonators that you hired to show up for events like this and. Yeah, you so, get Aaron Factor. He like shows off like the place where they built all the molds, and he's talking about how oh he goes to this one workstation. And he's like, oh yeah, the guy who used to work at this workstation painting the apple cheeks, he died ten years ago, and here's his paintbrush, and it hasn't been picked up since the day he died, or the day he was yeah. fired, or whatever. And you get the, you really start to see the picture of this guy is essentially living and working in this tomb mm-hmm. that like has not been touched, and it's just really creepy. And then it gets even worse. As he goes into the dark, unlit recesses of the of the warehouse to show off all the animatronics he built for not Rockefeller well, stuff in the eighties. Well, no, well, don't you're forgetting the important, uh, most important part of the tour, the puddle of I don't know. <laughs> That's and he even says that this is like this is like the threshold where once you don't get, st- yeah once you get past don't the puddle step of in that it's sticky. Oh mm. my god! Yeah, and. And here's a corner with a nightmare tree in it. It's, so here's then, okay. So here's my note here. I'm gonna give away the ending of, this, of, of my knowledge of all this stuff. The bit mm-hmm. towards the end of the documentary where Inventor Guy gives the camera crew a tour of his lab slash warehouse that's falling apart is less cute when you know that a few years after this was shot, some of the toxic chemicals mixing in this rotting lab exploded and took out a whole wall in the building. Well, the the the. the the section on the Rockefeller wiki, because of course, um, <laughs> Jesus is it, it says the explosion was caused by a highly flammable experimental fuel Aaron was working That's on called it, hydrillium. Which sounds like did he just look up Star Trek words? To mm-hmm. come up with. So yeah, that's. I had to give the guy credit for finally trying to get off his laurels, just resting on his laurels with the uh, fucking rocket fire explosion. It's like, you know what? I want to invent a new, uh, new experimental jet fuel, super fuel that will cause my lab to explode. <laughs> Do you think he looked at the giant hole in the wall and and said? Boy, I thought the rock of fire were the explosive oh, ones. You know what? I, I'm shocked that all the research I did for this podcast ever worked afterwards. No one made that joke. I'm shocked. Mm. Um, but that is the most Doc Brown ending to that guy's story that I can imagine is that he accidentally blew up his life. I'm like, I almost wonder, because unless he, I'm assuming he leases that space, he doesn't own that space. But you would imagine this documentary would have been admitted as evidence. Uh, as as if, if if whoever owns that warehouse wanted to sue him for accidentally destroying part of the warehouse is like, look at this motherfucker in this documentary. He's joking about how there's just like puddles of like chemical ooze that he even doesn't even know what that is <laughs> that he has to warn yeah. the camera crew to step across. Um, but yeah, so yeah, this and there's is... footage of Nightmare Wizard of Oz shit well... that he was trying to make for shows, and then trade so footage of other <laughs> shit they've made, and there's the no clown, no, well, no, is... no. Yeah, well, he's giving a tour and rattling off a list of old characters. He had he's rotting in storage in the dark. 
The documentary suddenly uh, goes nuts for a minute and starts showing a slideshow of freakish creations that this guy has built over the years. Yeah, that ends with the Nightmare Clown, but yeah, you get to see this freakish yeah, Santa I'll, Claus. And... I'll make it the icon for this week's episode, the Nightmare Clown. <laughs> but yeah, and I guess he uh, maybe he was pitching like a Wizard of Oz thing because he like, yeah, yeah, he had some kind of scary talking trees from the Wizard of Oz. And all this mm -hmm. stuff, and obviously all this the stuff. Scarecrow and the Tin Man. But half of the stuff is still sitting there in the dark in the warehouse, just rotting. And they show yeah. that, like, there's just shit oh, dripping and just... Yeah, there's one, I don't know what character it was, but it looks like it, half the face melted and is dripped down onto an old monitor. Yeah. Uh, there's one face that's, like, I think it's one of the characters from the band, but it, its face is sloughing off in the most kind of, like... Yeah. No, me gusta kind of way. Like, the mm -hmm. most caveman, like, this is... Like, I mean, this is the beating heart of, like, if if the inventor guy ever wanted to sue the guy who made Five Nights at Freddy's, this is the part of the documentary he could sue them for, because, like, this is obviously, like, you could just make a, a whole horror game yeah. off of this. Um, yeah, there we go. I'm sending you a and screenshot then... of one of the characters. It's not like the character's face is even melting off, but it's making this expression that looks like he's a, he just laid a very self-satisfied <laughs> fart. <laughs> he's just like, hmm, do you yeah. smell that? <laughs> Yeah. So yeah. So oh, um, my God. Well, then he shows the uh, last boxes. Yeah. Oh, he gets no. Before that, he gets salty again about how everybody <laughs> loved his shit at trade shows. Yeah. And they all ood and odd oh, over it, but it was too expensive for anybody like, to buy. Yeah, he gets really fucking pissy about this. And like, I, I'm. This yeah, maybe if you weren't using super old, outdated, expensive shit to make these, that you you know using the same technology from the '80s. I think that's a terrible thing. Is this guy's old enough that he only knows, like, when it comes to engineering and stuff? I think he only knows engineering from like the 1980s. I don't think he's really kept up with stuff, and so he only knows how to pitch like pneumatic, screaming, clanking robots to people. And I can see maybe mm -hmm. that's why he tried to get into super field because at least that's that's just chemical engineering. That's a different subset. Like I don't know, but. Fuck, yeah, it's a... Yeah, yeah so, he's all... Yeah, he's pissed off that he's, no one wants to buy shit anymore. Yep, he shows the last big boxes with the bands in it. One's sold, one is waiting to be sold, and it's and once he sells that, it'll be the last band that ever leaves that place. Yeah. Sad? I and then, saw uh, that, like, at least uh, as of a couple years ago, he still had not sold that last... Well, they actually, even at the, the end of the credits, they mentioned that he still had not sold that last show. Uh, even a couple years he's ago, probably, he had not sold that last show. Oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. He's pro No, you're fine. I'm interrupting you. Uh, he's probably either charging way too much for it because it's the last one, or he doesn't subconsciously or consciously doesn't want to actually give it up. Because uh, it'll mean the end of it. An interview last year, he says he's now essentially holding that last showbiz pizza thing for ransom now. He says he, he wants at least $150,000 for it because he wants it to be his retirement nest egg. So, mm. I don't know if he was charging that much before, but now that's what he's saying is, like, if anyone wants this thing, they're going to have to, like, pay for it through the nose because I want to be able to retire on that. So, which after, mm. may, I'm wondering that only happened after he accidentally blew up his own warehouse. Um, yeah. So, so yeah, Jesus Christ. and then the film shows old VHS footage again of the people who voiced all the characters in the band, so I guess at least... I was shocked to see that there's more than him, because obviously all the characters in the band sound like him, but I guess there was at least one or two other musicians who were involved, yeah. Well, yeah, they mentioned that the the, the Mitzi, or whatever the heck that the, the girl's name was, started recording her stuff at age 11. Uh, yeah, I don't like the idea and of the, living all the working with this guy. <laughs> 
Yeah, he talks about how when the company went under, he lost a lot of friends, you know, people, some of them were working for him, they were friends, and he says a thing that I, I went back and made sure to write it down correctly. He says, no matter who you are, no matter how cool you are, and I'm not cool, but if you are cool and you make friends easily, you can still only count your friends on one hand. What... Are you talking about? This is as someone who's not a public speaker, I can empathize. But like that is just you're just saying utterances just because you've got a camera what? on you and you're trying to find something profound to say. But you're just you saying only... you're just whatever. Yeah. What do you, you can only count your friends on one hand? What are you talking? Ah, uh, yeah. Um, I guess maybe. No matter how say... popular you are, you can only. What? Mm. I guess maybe he's trying to say you can only count. You can only count the fa the friends that you have that you can really count on. You can count them on one hand. Even still, that's I don't think that's, that's necessarily that's not, true. That's not a truism for everybody. No. Because there's people out there who they don't trust anyone, and there's people who trust I, too I, many I feel like, like it. It's. I feel like that's somebody who was surrounded by people who were kind of yes men or whatever. Yeah who were pretending to be his friends and then weren't friends, and he's justifying the fact he doesn't have many friends anymore by saying, no, nobody has that many friends. That's, I, yeah, everybody has, like, five. That's the sad thing with the inventor, because he's all oven-roasted and, like, Florida <laughs> and blah, blah, blah. And he's obviously just way more attractive than anyone else in the documentary, but he's also, like, the one guy who's sat alone and just working in this warehouse that's filled with nightmares and obviously has no future as an inventor and he's which he he doesn't seem to understand that he's just as pathetic as any of the fans that he's catering to like well, he then, may have more well, money then, and resources than like chris, chris thrash and stuff but he's just as much of a mess as anyone else in this documentary yeah i think that yeah that can be said for most humans yeah that's true but then but most humans don't sing a happy birthday song and almost cry about it. Especially since I feel so bad it's such a terrible birthday song because it is just like, <laughs> we're gonna light a candle. We're gonna mm -hmm. light it on fire. He gets fire. choked up because he misses the guy Sal <laughs> who sung it and also it's about a child growing up and out. And of he gets, he gets like oh. legitimately mm -hmm. choked up like he almost has to stop the camera and it's just like him just singing the stupid rock this He's singing a birthday song sung by a gorilla from a robot band from 40 years ago. And he's getting all like, whoa, 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 whoa. I guess God. you you can't uh, say that these fools aren't passionate. No, these guys, man, they got feelings. But it's fucking, I had to look up and see what Sal was. Sal was the guy who was the voice of Fats Geronimo the Gorilla. Mm. And I couldn't find out if he's alive or dead or not. Because, like, the way he talks about it, I thought Sal was dead. I, yeah. I, I guess it's another thing. I wonder if Sal... He just had a falling out with Sal because obviously all the everyone who ever worked for him abandoned him or he fired them all. But yeah, I don't know. And that's kind of yeah. one of the weirder parts of that documentary: him getting all wound up about that shitty, shitty birthday song. So yeah, uh -huh. and then um, Travis, the weird hair guy, talks oh, about brother, how the yeah. band, the no, no, the the wig guy. Oh, wig guy. Okay. <laughs> uh, the band will live on on the fans' hearts and homes, and he calls them pop icons, which you know, no, more they're not. Because yeah, I, I pop, know, pop uh, suggests popular. <laughs> that, that's the yeah. problem. <laughs> yeah. They're not popular. It, if it wasn't for this documentary, I would not know exactly. that these things yeah. existed. God. So, uh, 
and Chris would like to have a hand in bringing them back and making them into cartoons or the TV show or whatever, but bring them back for new generations to enjoy. Uh, that's a great sentiment, Chris, but no. What person? And even if they even, even if they could come back, they need new technology. No, not you'd the have seizure to... air bladders. <laughs> yeah. If you were to ever Clank, clank, clank. No one born in the 21st century is going to care about a bunch of yeah, air bladder robots. No, no, especially with the scary faces. Like, you'd have to completely reinvent these characters so much as to the people who are already fans of this stuff would find them unrecognizable. And, like, it would mm -hmm. have to be some kind of cartoon and cartoon network where half the characters are now gay or something. Like, like it'd have to be, like, there'd have to be a new thing. Like, it would not just be, like... Batch Geronimo singing the same song well, from 1982. I feel like you'd have to... Yeah. It'd have to be as good of or close to the animatronics that Disney's doing now, where, like, they're projecting shit onto the faces so yeah. they actually animate. You couldn't do this... I would this love to see someone... Apple II program shit anymore. <laughs> you know, actually, that would be kind of fascinating. If, as just as an engineering challenge, you just said, okay, you know what? You've got three years and like a hundred million dollars to reinvent the rocket fire explosion with the best technology possible. Like you don't have to worry about creating like, uh, like a backstory for the characters. Just make a new version of that animatronic band that was the best technology available now. And I would just love to see how good that could possibly be with an actual band who sings good songs. You know, like yeah, and even then, who would care? Because it's well, just a bunch of robots singing music. Who gives a shit? But. Could could you even? Uh... Yeah, I mean, we're both. You're you're an actual artist. I'm just somebody who dabbles. But could you redesign these characters into anything that resembles what they are now? But is, but be appealing to anyone it, else? It, I don't know. Is is likable? Because I'm trying to imagine like a redesign of like the cheerleader monster mouse bear thing. Mitzi Mozzarella. I, I, like who's gonna like fucking? And like, I, I I don't know if you could make them. Good. <laughs> no, I, the character, the, the whole thing's inherently flawed. Like again, with the with, and I, with I, endless I, I, amount of time and money, I don't think you can like, still even. Yeah. Um. Uh. Uh. Chuck E. Cheese was smart enough. You know, there was a little bit of harumph from people our generation when they redesigned the Chuck E. Cheese characters to make them not look stupid. Yeah. Or update them for the current day, but you, you got to do that you gotta shit. Do and like some Times of those redesigns change. were kind of stupid, but like. You, yeah, you have to acknowledge the fact that like, because when I first there there is there is some shit shit that's timeless like the Looney Tunes characters. Those don't need a redesign. They're perfect. But <laughs> Chucky, Chucky, at least Cheese? also they at least were worked when they were first new. Whereas even Rock of Fire was brand new. That was shit was already cheesy and stupid. Even when it was brand new. Like yeah, yeah. They're, they're they're giant chunky things because they have to hide the animatronics inside. Yeah, and that would actually be kind of interesting. Like. Just even, like, just as a graphic design thing, just, like, if you were to take those characters and, like, have a bunch of different, like, like artist, uh, cartoon professionals kind of redesign. Even if you're just going to do, like, a new Rock of Fire explosion cartoon, I'd be kind of curious mm -hmm. to see how people will reimagine those characters, just even aside from, like, as an animatronic band. But, like, yeah, like, even the characters' names, like, yeah, Mitzi Mozzarella, like, what the f- <laughs> Like, who gives, like, no, it's just no one's there. So Aaron uh, talks about... How he's sitting at a workbench. It hasn't been touched in like 20 years. Dude, hire a maid or something. <laughs> uh, yeah. And he says that shit melted and it rotted and it's sort of spooky around here now that all that happened. Hey, my man, it was already kind of spooky before that. Yeah. And, and 
he says uh, that if they needed to, they could start right back up at the, right here because everything's exactly the same as the day it stopped. You, as technology has it's been 20 fucking years. There's new ways to do this shit. You need You're not the, you do don't this the, uh, yeah, you could probably use the molds, but the plastic that you were using in that is melted. You got new types of of, of molds you could use. The silicone is uh, You would need the fucking Infinity Gauntlet to rewrite I, time and history so you could find people who still know how to program in Apple 2. It's so weird that this dude is clinging to this all this technology. Yeah. He's even go he's like this is the garbage room where I have all this analog sound stuff that'll never get used again. But it's still sitting there. Yeah. He hasn't done anything with it. He's just letting it it, it sit. <laughs> when it's... when researching this kind of get this is the one last gag I have for the podcast but when researching the explosion and everything uh, that happened, like, I think it was like 2013, I was kind of wondering if, uh, since he had moved on a little bit and was experimenting with new fuels and stuff like that, rather than just like focusing entirely on the rocket fire explosion, I was wondering if maybe he cleaned up the place or anything like that, but no. According to the local police report uh, in the mm. local newspaper, when they were talking about uh, when his lab exploded, they said it was just so much fucking rocket fire explosion shit all over the all over the place. It was described as if the Joker's lair had exploded. Because <laughs> they're like feather boas hanging from trees and shit like that. Nice. So I guess he never really cleaned up any of this stuff or anything like that. So just I love the idea of a like, police commissioner just describing an accident scene as if the Joker's lair had exploded. Yeah. <laughs> like but that just shows this guy never, he's kind of never grew up or grew out of this. As as much as he d d defines himself as like this innovative inventor, always looking to the horizon, he just got, he hit upon the rock of fire thing and just never let go. For better, for mm -hmm. worse. And I mean, I can understand that, but like, it's weird to think that as someone who, who's like so future and goal oriented, that you would let yourself get so stuck in the quagmire of this one success that even then wasn't that much of a success and is now only still highly only regarded like a, by such a small amount of people. It's so fucking A weird. year and a half or two years that this thing was banging before they were like, hey, we're not making money on this. Why doesn't he just sell all this stuff, burn it down, or just get a job as a fucking car salesman or something like that? Just let it all go. Like, I don't understand mm -hmm. what future... Because even at the end, yeah, he's talking about how, like, I think, I think it's well, going yeah, to come says, back. I think, I think well, there's yeah, a good... He says, yeah. he says right after that if they needed to, everything's here. We could start making shit right up again. And uh, I think at some point we're going to. And I I don't want to believe that he actually believes that. But I I think he might. But I, I can't tell if he's I lying can't, and how much it, Yeah, how much it's false optimism just for the camera versus how much he thinks that. Because at the very... The very most he could ever reasonably hope for is that, like, because everyone's buying up all this old-timey shit to use as nostalgia weapons in, like, the streaming wars, like, everyone needs new content for, like, Netflix and shit like that, or, like, you know, every fucking movie studio, like, the most he could expect that, like, hope for is, like, Netflix or CBS or somebody goes, like, oh, I, some people like the Rock of Fire Explosion back in the day, let's make a new Rock of Fire Explosion cartoon, and they just offer him the rights, offer to buy the rights for the Rock of Fire Explosion from him, and, like, turn it into some, some like, something else that can be just mined for the nostalgia value, but would never, no one's ever gonna pay him again to fire up this factory to build old Apple II no. run air bladder animatronic 
Rockafire shows again. It's just, yeah, it's, it's fucking weird. And, and I think the, the characters are, are rejects from a Hanna-Barbera cartoon. That even Hanna-Barbera was like, nah, it's too lame for us. And they're not even like, who gives a fuck about Chucky? Yeah, that's the, that's the other thing too. Like, even what they're like, yeah, what they're supposed to be is already like, they're such, yeah, it's, it's. So then there's footage of the robots singing that the, the, the camera That's kind of the end of the filmed. documentary, right? Yeah. And then, yeah, because it ends with the gorilla winking at the camera. <laughs> you can like, have that no, back, don't thanks. Do, that. No, do not want. <laughs> Shut the shit down. Put it back in a box. Don't want to see yeah. it again. Oh, Ran- forgot about randomly, that. Random things happen during the, while the credits are rolling. Uh, Chris saying, well, if they are alive, they aren't going to bother me. I'm their daddy, more or less. <laughs> Just that's crazy. I love that he's thought about that enough. He already has an answer for the camera crew if they're mm-hmm. alive. Oh. <laughs> and then in 2009, Chris and Sandy Thrash opened a restaurant called Showbiz Pizza Zone, mm-hmm. featuring rides, games, and the Rockfire Explosion. It closed in 2010. <laughs> he had to sell his shit back there, and who sold it to an amusement park? God, yeah, it's it's specifically yeah I, uh, amusement but, park in but, South but, Korea but, of all places. But Chris seemed like such a savvy businessman. Yeah, with. I, you know, it's even people who know how to build rest, run and build restaurants, uh, the profit margins are so slim. You they know can't what? Do I'd it. like to think that, like, actually, maybe it did, may have done well, but the guy didn't stop to think that Showbiz Pizza is actually a copyright that he can't copyright. He can't just open up a new place called Showbiz Pizza, even if it's mm. called Showbiz Pizza Zone. Like, I can't just. I'm sure he covered that because I'm, I'm sure Aaron was like, "Fuck think, yeah, man! You think I'm gonna the, get this thing going again." Yeah, you think at the very least. Well, I, but Aaron Fector, he owns the copyright to Rock of Fire, but not Showbiz Pizza. Because mm. that's the whole thing. Showbiz Pizza kept on going after. I mean, Showbiz Pizza was built on the popularity of Rock of Fire, but you think. I doubt Aaron Fector owns the. like. True. Yeah. But like, Who knows? <sighs> but Aaron yeah. is currently selling homemade animatronic experimenter kits on his website. <laughs> I went to go to his website, and, and and I got a message from my browser saying I'm not allowed to visit it because it's so filled with malware. <laughs> so I was like, well, maybe if the guy's still an inventor, mm. but he's definitely not a web programmer yet. Uh, so he I didn't even to get to sell see. the last band. Yeah. Oh, my God. You didn't even get to see what a mess it is. Yeah. So um, that's the Rockfire Explosion documentary. So, I, I, yeah, I, that was, and I kind of mentioned it at the last point, um, if I had my druthers, and I'll give you a second, Bill, I'll ask you um, yeah. how what how you think you could make this type of thing work, or if you even could, but my idea for a restaurant or whatever to get this to go is it's you make something like this, uh, you got the pizzas and the songs, but it's more uh, adult-oriented, not in, like, it's, ooh, it's sexy, oh, yeah. but no. it's more geared towards adults, um, so you could have, like, alcohol and whatnot. And then after all the pizza and songs ends, uh, you enter escape rooms that has all the animatronics and shit, and, like, lights yeah, will go out and that's... animatronics will show up, and that, yeah, and you have to do that. That's the only way I could see these nightmare disturbing fucking animatronics yeah. working is if you make it creepy and this in somehow in it if you especially if you're specifically bringing back like either the chuck e cheese band or the rock of fire explosion band like yeah you make it so like you have the band and you have it like 
I, I, you could almost make an old-timey Apple II version of the band just for the nostalgia's sake, but, like, it would be cool, too, if you do, if you just did, like, a modern version that you could have people get up and, like, drunkenly sing karaoke with the band in front of your friends while you're, you're drinking and mm. getting drunk and eating pe- Which is funny, because I do Chuck E. Cheese's now. Every, like, every time I look up a Chuck E. Cheese, like, the Chuck E. Cheese is always in the news because someone got drunk and started a knife fight at a Chuck E. Cheese. <laughs> so they have started yeah. selling alcohol at those places. So that, I guess there was a kind of attempt to do what you're doing, and at least in terms of, like, letting people drink while they're being sung to by robots but yeah mm-hmm. but no exactly like if you take this and like you especially like essentially turn it into a like a nostalgia bomb for 30 and 40 year olds with like a, uh, escape rooms and like you play into the fact that like yeah you could like you could man actually if you had the fucking old arcade games and shit there too uh fuck mm-hmm. man like and even the skee-ball and stuff and, like and there's a whole thing like, you kind of ca- like I don't know if this would be a nationwide thing but a couple places around the country you could probably make money off of this if you didn't spend too much money while, to build it up but while the band is actually on stage singing like the animatronics could slowly start to fail or melt a you little can have bit fun or look with that, more yeah. look fucked up so they look a little bit more nightmare as it goes on you talk to the Disney company you say hey we're gonna <laughs> for, we gotta work something out because we're, we're gonna wink into this because we're gonna start every show there's gonna be a little bit of a, sh- a screen behind the band and it's gonna start with that clip from the Simpsons where happy birthday to the boy or girl <laughs> you're the birthday That's you're what... the birthday you're the birthday boy or and girl and that bleeds into the band actually the robot band they're singing that song and so it's like the big wink to the audience that like, we know this is creepy and then the start singing fucking Wu-Tang songs or some shit like that. <laughs> exactly. You get drunk, you, like, you can get up and do karaoke with the band. Uh, who knows? Maybe there's a fucking DJ at the fucking place so like like, like whoever's singing like fucking Fats Geronimo or Chuck E. Cheese can actually interact directly. Like They, they could actually speak like, back at you and like interact and have fun. Like, And in the room there could be like little panels that discreetly open up and you have like a creepier animatronic staring at you that will yeah. go into the darkness. It could just be a little puppet or something. Like, yeah, exactly. Like the simplest. It doesn't even have to be like articulated that much or anything like that. But like have fun. <laughs> like, yeah. And the fact that you get tired of this. Yeah, you can go back and play Galaga or go to the escape room. We actually, <laughs> when you have the robots that are manufacturing so badly, you can't, you can no longer keep them on stage and not even a way where it's like, oh, it's knowingly defunct. Yeah, that's when you just stick them in the escape room. And that's part of like the, yeah, the decor. Oh my god, yeah. You could, there's, I'm sure that there's a thousand reasons why that wouldn't actually work in real life, but yeah. Oh, sure, but that's, but that's the only way I could see it, because yeah. these guys thinking that, that their childhood, if they just make it exactly like their childhood was, yeah. that, that, that'll that never work, because kids are different now. Just like when I was a kid, if I had gone to uh, some place that like was having a puppet show where a puppet was hitting it was just a guy behind a little booth and one of the puppets was hitting the other on the head with a hammer that i'm not gonna enjoy that yeah no yeah this is totally like the rocket fire explosion chuck e cheese it's totally the modern day equivalent of like whenever anyone goes back in time to medieval times they always have the punch and judy show with the two little yeah puppets. that's what i'm talking about yeah exactly yeah. it's that kind of thing yeah exactly yeah and it's just like oh yeah <laughs> or like stick and hoop <laughs> like, yeah. that kind of thing where it's like I guess I can see how P4 Electricity invented this is interesting to people but well and that's why uh, Chuck E. Cheese they finally just last year they said fine fuck it we're just gonna take all the uh, animatronics out because even though we've like reinvented these anat- animatronics to be as good as they can be considering uh, like how much money like we can invest in these things on a realistic basis like no one cares about the elect- animatronics kids just come to play the games and dance and have fun so they just stripped all the animatronics out and just replaced uh the animatronic stage with a dance floor 
because kids just wanted to dance to music and that's and so like at least even Chuck E. Cheese was smart enough to acknowledge that like even the best uh, mass mass market animatronics just kids don't give a shit and so if that if that couldn't work there's no way in hell kids are gonna care about like you're bringing back a 1982 version of the same idea yeah yeah so yeah. but at least. Uh, Chris Thrash, he was lucky enough, though, in the last couple years, he did find a second Rock of Fire band. Uh, it needed to mm. be restored, so now he bu- uh, he bought it, and he's now trying to rebuild it while managing a McDonald's. Mm. I did see pe- pe- people have actually gone to the McDonald's that he works at and have fo- photos taken with him, because I guess he's now he's that much of a celebrity on the Rock of Fire explosion community that, like... Yeah, so at least he's get- kind of getting back up on his feet. And I do love that when he built the, the Showbiz Pizza Zone, he actually made his Rock of Fire Explosion, the one that he had to sell off. He actually made that a, the, the centerpiece for his restaurant before it had to shut down. Yeah. And the only other n- news with uh, Inventor Guy. Inventor Guy is fighting with some Rock of Fire fans as he claims that some of the newer software systems that those fans have invented to keep their bands running is ripping off his copyright on the original software. Uh, well, he's but they're not. If they're not making money off of it, yeah. you don't fucking say. I was about to say, I guess maybe one or two of them could be charging money, but considering there's only like 12 other fans willing to pay for it, it's not like there's that much money probably being exchanged. Like, yeah, it's... Man, he's so precious with this. Yeah, <laughs> and again, he's still upset about if if anyone ever uploads any videos of the Rock of Fire singing modern music, he gets wound up, and that's that led to the whole I Ain't Gay fiasco. Yeah. Which... Yeah, that seems to be the aside from this documentary seems to be the most recent thing anyone knows about the Rock Fires that the inventor lost his mind and and he actually did upload a video of the Rock Fire explosion singing I ain't gay brother and so the entire legacy of the Rock Fire explosion has been tainted by the only by its actual inventor so hopefully that guy gets some therapy too because like everyone in this documentary needs some kind of fucking therapy we need therapy for having talked about this shit so that is that was the Rock Fire explosion documentary. Thank yep. you so much oh. for putting up with something that you have absolutely no nostalgia for. Yeah, it's fine. It was God. an interesting watch. Yeah. So what do you want to do next time? I don't know. <laughs> Yay! You say as your kid, as, as your baby, as, he's not even a baby yeah. anymore, as your kid cries it's, in the background, just you saying so resignedly, saying, I don't know. Yeah, it's nap time, and he saw me, and he's upset. Um, oh, that's understandable. Yeah, I'm I, I'm I'm a monster. So uh, yeah, I don't know. I think I had some idea, but I fell out of my head. Yeah, we'll figure out but, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Yep. I'll let so you go because baby's exploding. It's fine. Uh, he's muttering on Twitter. I'm the grumpy turtle on Twitter. Tardy podcast on Twitter. Tardy podcast all the time. Yeah, fine. Share us around. Give us a like. Whatever the fuck. I don't know. Yeah. Enjoy your nightmares of clowns, with animatronics. In all that horrible. I am curious to see what your official podcast art for this episode is going to be because you have the clown right there. There's other things, but like the clown has really nothing to do with the rock of fire, but like that is definitely the most indelible image from this this thing. Mm-hmm. But yeah. yeah, that is that is some bullshit. That is some fucking creepy shit, and uh, it makes for terrible radio. But I'm going to end the podcast by suddenly turning to the microphone and winking creepily, and suddenly the credits begin. <laughs> Yeah, you should, well, actually, for radio, you should be able to hear the snap hiss of my uh, air bladder going off that makes my head turn and go, and, like, the uh, fucking pneumatics of my eye going, as I wink. God. Oh, kid. Did he just barge in? No, he's it's it's he's grumpy because it's nap time. Uh, okay, well, yeah, that, that's a good time to shut this down then, so. Oh, you're up, right, yeah. He's, I think he's going to go lay down. 
So it's fine. Yep. <sighs> That's all I got. I don't know. Probably should have figured out some way to end this, but I'm sure Bill will put in some horrible rock of fire music. <laughs> I got you. Like I said, us. I found that dump that I got more than enough music to. Oh, God. I literally have no idea. I'm just going to end this with another explosion. <laughs> that, you, that's my you, default so, thing with this editing, this podcast. You know how you know how you can tell that this idea is never going to take off again? Yeah. It's not in any Disney park where you go in and anim- animatronics act for you. I mean, they kind of had that with the Tiki Room, but didn't they remove those parrots? I think so. For what still there? Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really yeah, good point. Yeah. So if Disney ain't doing it, it's never gonna come back. That's a good point, actually, because yeah, like in the parks, but like, was Tiki Room even then the only restaurant with actual animatronics within the restaurant itself? I think so. Yeah. Um, man, that is kind of funny looking at the Galaxy's Edge stuff and seeing how much, like, the details, like, they they've really gone out of the way to make sure there's like nothing within like reach of the visitors that can be like ripped off, or, like, uh, it's just. Like, even on the Millennium Falcon stuff, seeing how much stuff they had to literally glue or bolt down so no one could steal it or wreck it. It's just yeah. kind of funny. Like, yeah, how, like, you get, like, there's places where there were obviously supposed to be, like, little animatronic porgs that aren't there mm-hmm. because people would just obviously just fuck with the porgs if they were within arm's reach. So, yep. yeah, so it's just kind of like an empty environment. So, yeah, yeah that's... a lot that's... of Star Wars fans are going to get banned from Disney. Yeah, no, I, yesterday I was looking up, uh, people are stealing... Uh, there's Star Wars sporks and menus from the restaurants that people are stealing left and right. That, like... What a, what a weird thing to... <laughs> to what? But the terrible what thing is, is I do have people. that as a safe search on eBay now, because I would like a Star Wars spork. But it's a metal spork, but, like, yeah, it's actual... It's how not is just, it... Yeah. How is it Star Wars? Is the spork shaped like the Millennium Falcon? It's asymmetrical. It looks like a metal spork if you just left it in the oven too long. <laughs> That's all it really is. Just All you have to do is... Yeah, look it up on eBay. You'll see what it looks like, and it's just the yeah. Fuck is but wrong with people you, are just, <laughs> people are just stealing anything you can bolt down. And Disney was smart enough to design the parts. There's not too much they can't grab, but like, there's some yeah. Um, but yeah, that that is an interesting point. Like, if 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 anyone's got a beat on the future of animatronics and how people react to them, it's Disney. And so yeah, if if looking to see how they're treating animatronics in their parks whether like which situations they decide to deploy in animatronics or how they're designed that is that is a good way to take and the temperature on, of like how you on, would ever bring back something like the rock of fire and on the rides they're far away from people so you can't hear all the whirring gizmos and gadgets inside of them <laughs> i almost kind of like wonder if that's like for the millennium falcon ride there's a guy from the clone wars that they made an animatronic of and uh, he's up on a platform far away from everyone else, but he's far enough away that A, people can't fuck with him, and B, he's far enough away that, like, yeah, you can't hear the snap hiss of, like, all of his animatronics going off. Because especially because, yeah. like, at least, like, all the animatronics in a ride like Pirates of the Caribbean, there's the, you know, the rush of the water and the music and stuff that kind of cover up uh, any of the animatronic sounds, but, like, oh, that's... Oh, the animatronics like, are way far away from everybody on that yeah. one, especially. But, like, something like the the, the, the Hondo thing for the, the animatronics for the for the Millennium Falcon thing, you're kind of, it's not, like, looking at the videos online, it seems like you're in an otherwise empty, quiet room, and so they've mm. kind of, like, positioned him far enough away that, like, yeah, like, you might be able to hear some of the, 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 the animatronic stuff, but not so much. And yeah. so, yeah, they're pretty smart about that stuff. But, yeah, that seems yeah. to be only, like, there's not a lot of animatronics in that park, it seems. Like, that's... Mm-hmm. Trying to think of any other instances of animatronics. Well, there's, there's like, a big hammerhead alien inside one of the... It's, like, the most expensive, like, merchandise room. And mm. he's locked away behind a cage. <laughs> and up some steps kind of away from everybody. And, 
I think the, yeah. the, the, the rocket raccoon at the Guardians of the Galaxy, he runs around the top in the room that you're in, waiting oh, yeah, to you go were, in. You had mentioned and that that's, once, yeah. That's probably like the closest you'll get to an animatronic in the park. Yeah, that sounds closer than anything in the Star Wars park right now. And like, yeah, actually, now that I think about it, there may only be two animatronics in that park. Granted, I guess the only half the park is really open now because uh, there's supposed to be two big rides for the park, but only one of them, the Millennium Falcon one, is open. On the other side of that Star Wars land, there's supposed to be another one that opens, like, either I think at Christmas or sometime next year. And at that point, mm. there'll be more, like, animatronics and more stuff at the other, other end of that, that part of the land, but. Gotcha. Yeah. So, but well, so, anyways, anyway, okay. We, yeah. We we've almost talked for two hours about this, which is with an hour more than I thought. I don't even know if this to, is still so. the podcast or if this is just talking off podcast. But I'll include it if nah, it's, it's still the podcast. Okay, we're still I recording. Said, okay. Yeah. So um, yeah, that's all. This is. I got nothing else. I gotta pee. Okay. And, we'll so, go. We'll go now. Until next. Until next time. Keep filling your holes with pop culture. Enjoy this garbage music. So long. Yeah. Adios, This one swimming naked in the fermentarium. I am the lizard queen. Give her this, and this, and then these. Oh, thank you, doctor. No, I'm not a doctor. Hi, kids. How is Duff Gardens? Can't talk. Coming down. <laughs>